do you know if there's an origin or anything that had directly influenced the the industry? Hundred percent. The industry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the like the pressures. Oh yeah, musical theatre's crazy. Yeah. Completely crazy. It's it's a completely different type of job. Um, you know, and that's where it kind of just originated because it's just like it just you just like it's a completely different mm. atmosphere and stuff and like everyone's constantly watching you. Yeah. And everyone's constantly judging, making judgments. And it's just kind of you know, it started from there really when I first, you know, went to Brit. Um, that's where it really started because you just become so socially aware of the industry. Yeah. Um, even though Brit was great. Yeah, because you'd said it was the best two years of your oh, life. Oh, Brit was 100% the best two years of my life. And yet it was somewhere that had sparked. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, so, yeah. That's so interesting that kind of it can still go hand in hand. Yeah. In way. I mean, there were, there were ups and downs, obviously. Yeah, but I still course. class that as my... Of course. Like, it was a good two years of kind of just like learning about a lot of different things and that's what helped me i think in the industry mm -hmm. because it's so diverse over there um and you know you can be anyone you want to be and i think that's great um and you kind of learn lots of different things about different people and learn yeah. to accept those things something i've found is a lot of people who are doing this a lot of people that i'm or have worked with um enjoy the fact that you can be whoever you want to be because they don't enjoy being themselves sometimes yeah. and i kind of see that so frequently like people just want to use it as an escape use performance as an escape they're not happy necessarily with their own lives and so then playing a character means they can yeah that's how i like to, I've, I've explained it like that a lot of times yeah. it is like you get to step out of your own own self and then when you get home you don't have to pee for yourself for that long and because if you're kind of like sometimes like especially when you're getting critiqued on like yourself like mm. it becomes very difficult to be like i don't really want to change that about myself but when you're playing a character you can mold and change and create it the way that people want but also the way you can yeah. um which makes it a lot easier to deal with kind of like being able to shape that but then when you're doing kind of like like this is why i don't really i'm not a massive fan of dance mm -hmm. it's not that i don't like it i'm just not very good at it <laughs> um yeah fair um it just like because you're ch you're changing the way that you're doing it, and I'm so just like I I hate oh, I hate change. Mm -hmm. It's too much change, too much. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. It's it is a difficult one in terms of like like creating a character, getting it, but it's how you get back in mm. to yourself. Yeah. And that's where that's where kind of it can go wrong. Um. Of being able to kind of switch out of playing a character and being yourself because you yeah. can completely lose touch of who you actually are That's a very good point. um and you, you you i you know you see it kind of now um a lot in the industry where people are just unable to just like control themselves because they're stuck in a character for so long and i'd say that's a big thing that people get wrong mm. and not wrong i think trip up on um what do you think about and i'll, I'll explain this a bit more but what do you think about people having unrealistic expectations because i feel like me personally i set myself 
crazy goals, short-term goals, not even yeah. long-term goals, crazy things that that day, that week, that month, things that I want to do. I was like, yeah, I'm going to achieve yeah. this. I'm going to get this done. But they're unrealistic. And most of the time end up in not working out or in failure. Or you don't get around to it. Or you, you know, life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. And then that feeling of just disappointment of you just being like... I, I wouldn't say anything's unrealistic though. Like, re well, uh, realistically. Yeah. Um, I, no, I wouldn't. I think everything is realistic. It's just, it's dependent on how much work you want to put in. Mm -hmm. And that that's, that's a horrible thing because sometimes you're not able, like you were saying, like with, with life and stuff, you're unable to put in that work. Yeah. So nothing's unrealistic. It's just how you can put in the work and how you can kind of develop and change and, um, be able to put in the work that you really want. Like nothing's unrealistic. Like my my dream is still to be in the West End. Yeah. And you know I'm straight out of, straight out of uni, and that goal may not be realistic for another ten years because I have to be in the industry, and that you know you develop while you're yeah. But realistic, there are no unrealistic goals. Everything is achievable. It just it's dependent on how much work you can put in. And that's always dependent on what goes on in your life. And yeah. that that's that's where things feel unrealistic, but mm -hmm. are not mm. realistically. <laughs> do you think that because things getting on the way, do you think then the disappointment that I think everyone probably faces day to day from kind of not achieving the things they set out? Mm. Do you think that could be a big link into them being like not being happy with themselves and so Oh, playing characters. oh yeah, 110%. Being in the industry is the toughest thing. I'd say it's harder than being at uni, and I thought uni was hard. Um, the industry is so unforgiving, and I've only been out there for six months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, not even that. Like, I graduate. Well, I finished my shows in June. Yeah, June, June. Yeah, it might have been June. Bit, bit earlier than June. And it's now November and I've already been chewed up and spit out by London. And it's crazy that like in a, such a short amount of time, mm -hmm. you've already yeah. experienced so I, much. I haven't, like, and it's 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 getting there as well. Like you can get submitted for called auditions, but like most of the time, nine times out of 10 with me, I've not had them. I've been lucky enough with uh, the person I'm signed with, um, you know tells me what i've been submitted for which is like such a blessing like she didn't have to do that for me but she does because she's a legend mm. and um you know you see things like that come into the west end or like big shows and it says west end and the big director's like oh that gets your hopes up and then two weeks will go by and you've not heard anything from it and you're a bit like oh okay well that dream was kind of out the window but then when you do get one it's even harder because then you're nervous about going to do it and then you get into it and you're like, oh, I just want it and you want it really badly. And, you know, I've been in situations where I was that close, like that close and didn't get it. And yeah. that is horrible. That is like so soul destroying of being like, hold it. Because with me, like even shows that I did in Fergie, you manifest what you want to be. And I'm such a big thing of that because it helps me like do as good as I can in say an audition room if I manifest the character that I want to play. So like when I did Rent in third year, I really wanted to play Mark. 
And from the get-go, like I hadn't even been putting Rent yet. As soon as Rent was announced, I was listening, I was singing to Rent because I wanted that musical so badly. And then I was lucky enough to play that part. Um, but, you know, I've done stuff with that in terms of like an audition I did. Um, it was coming to London and it was really, really good. It was doing a tour and I'd never really heard of it, but I started listening to the music and I loved it on site. And I got into the audition room and I, I they gave us a script and I loved it on site and it was great. And then, you know, you got so far and then it was a no. And you'd spent all that time, I'd spent all that time researching, learning, you know, watching so many things on how to be the character that I wanted to be. And then for it to be like, you know, maybe not this time. And you're just like, oh, I just spent kind of two two to three weeks of my life manifesting this dream for it to just stay there. Yeah. Like that that's horrible. Like that is that is soul destroying. And you just like you want to give up at every turn, but then I, I don't know what it is. I don't know how we do it. I really I really don't. Um I think there's so much rejection in the industry that you just kind of you just kind of get used to it. Like nothing's good, <laughs> nothing. You're not gonna get anything out of it. You that that's like... that's how you have to, you know. You've got to earn it. Nothing is ever given to you in the in the industry, and that's what I learned the hard way. Yeah, I learned a very hard way. I guess you need to develop quite a, a thick skin to be able to cope with. Yeah, hundred percent. Would um, you would you say that you've found a coping mechanism yet, or are you still in the no? Process? And I don't I don't think I ever will. Yeah, I don't think I ever will. You know, I nearly quit musical theater for good because i had a job at uh, a tesco's but i was i was a, a like a leader like a manager shift leader manager and i was getting paid really well there but i was doing 50 hours a week but it, it was it was it was okay and the money added up yeah and i got to stay at home with my family and i got the money and and i just went you know what i reckon i could do this for another 10 years and then move really? on, move on to something else and kind of build myself wow. up and you kind of i kind of thought oh, do you know what? If I build myself up, then I can earn more money and I can work less. And you're just like, I was so close just packing it in. Mm. And then I kind of was like, no, I can't. So I left and I went, I had another job that I could go to, but I left and I was like, look, I'm going to focus on this full time. And, you know, two weeks after that, I got a job. And I was like, yeah, that's the best decision. Yeah. That's the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's just it's just just gone from there really, and it was just like, mm. you know, like I nearly packed in because I got to the point where I didn't have a thick skin. I was ready to just pack it in because I was just like, do you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't physically feel like this anymore. I just want to live a normal life. I just wanted to, you know, like work like a normal. I say normal job. I wanted to work a normal job. That makes sense. No. I I think everyone watching would understand what we mean by normal. Like, yeah, I wanted to work a normal job and 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 then work and and go. Do you know what? Like, I I want to do this life now because it just feels like a lot easier on my body. But it wasn't because working fifty hours a week is horrendous. Yeah, it sounds grueling. Absolutely horrible. But you know what? You, you do any like people do anything for money. Yeah, and for that type of money, I definitely would. I guess for. But the industry then is just all about taking risks, being brave. Oh, you have to. Being able to live in the uncertain. You have to. Like, 
you know, I don't live in London, but I spend half my life up here because that's the risk I take. I, the risk of spending money and traveling and waking up at stupid o'clock mm. to go anywhere and everywhere to make sure I'm in this industry. Like the job I'm working at now, like um, the schedule's really good, but like I don't, I live 45 minutes away and around the M25 at like seven, eight o'clock on, you know, Monday mornings and sitting in traffic for an hour. Like that's the risk I take. And that takes a massive toll on your mental health. Like driving in London is horrible. I've heard lots of stories, yeah. I would not recommend it to I wouldn't recommend it. Honestly, just don't do it. Just really just don't do it because it's a waste of money and it's a waste of time. Well, it's not a waste of time going up to the rehearsals, but sitting in traffic is a waste of time. Yeah, never makes sense. Like, and there's always someone who's had an accident or there's just so many people. There's just so many people on the roads. Mm -hmm. And like, but as soon as I get into the rehearsal space of this new job, all of that goes away because... You know, I love this job. And that's I, what matters. Yeah. It doesn't, It you know, honestly, it doesn't matter what it was. It's a job in the industry. And lucky enough, I get to travel with it as well. Um, but, like, I've just really just settled into, like, I'm now in the industry. I'm now doing this. And, yeah, yeah it's just great. I, I absolutely love the job. I think it's brilliant. That's really good. No, yeah. Really, really good. Um, I think we should probably do the introductions of yourself now. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll probably just kind of just keep this kind of rolling. I don't no. think this episode is appropriate to be edited much. Um, so do you want to introduce yourself? Um, yeah. You know, kind of like who you are, where you're from, um, talk yeah. maybe like about going to bird. Yeah. It's kind of all of that stuff. No, okay. Uh, I'm Tom Handley. Uh, graduated birds in 2023. I don't know the word graduated. <laughs> it just doesn't feel real. Uh, from us, well, bag shot in Surrey, but so it's near Ascot, um, so not too far. Um, and yeah, studied a bird three years, joined COVID. Um, so I was one of, not the last year, but we had COVID quite ripe. Um, that was scary. Um, but yeah, graduated bird now and just um, professional job. And yeah, just kind of, just, just chilling, really. Just, um, it just feels good, mm. um, you know. To say I've graduated uni, just like, is something like, like in the back of the mind, you grow up saying, yeah, that's like I'm gonna graduate, and now I actually have. So it's a big, it's big <laughs> yeah, achievement yeah. in itself, mm-hmm. kind of getting 100%. through. Um, because wherever you go, whatever drama school you're at, it's probably gonna be grueling, and lots of them for different reasons. But I think a lot of the time also for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when starting to notice a shift with the drama schools and they're kind of in recent years having a bit of a, like a change, bit of an upgrade in terms of the way that they approach things. And I think a lot of their practices beforehand weren't necessarily the most healthy. And this is very mm. general. Um, and I mean, you've got a lot of experiences from where you've trained that yeah. um, kind of we can talk about. 100%. And, um, I, and again, I think what's important is like, it is it is just drama school like oh 100 percent. it's just kind of what people experience and it's not necessarily correct and i think there's lots of things that are going to yeah. change for better and have changed i don't think but. you can ever be prepared for drama school mm-hmm. i coming into like first year i don't think you can ever be fully prepared to what you're going to experience and and i'd say that's probably the only subject in the country that 
you could say that about you know as a I don't want to like put disrespect on any other jobs, but if you're going as a paramedic, you know what you know what you're getting in yourself yeah. into. Yeah, yeah, you know what you know you you can say things are horrendous and what you can see is horrendous, but you know you know one day that that's going to happen. Yeah, you're prepared for with it. musical theatre. Yeah. You can never prepare yourself for the just. It's just so mentally taxing. Yeah, and it's also so like random. Okay. It's so random. Anything can happen at any time. Unexpected. That's the word. Unexpected. Everything is unexpected in a musical theatre. Yeah. It, you know, you can never, ever, ever, like, dr- like, expect, like, expect the unexpected. Yeah. Like, that's what you have to do in, in musical theatre because something, co- everything can pop up last minute or nothing can. Yeah. You know? um, but, you know, musical theatre is, um, yeah, a tough industry and one that's not talked about enough of how many people do it and how tough it actually is mm-hmm. to be yeah a performer like any aspect of musical theater whether it's dancing and acting you know performing you know no no one you know you're never prepared for it ever i just think it's why conversations like this are important because they're not necessarily had and i hope that episodes like this kind of encourage people to talk whether it's for family or friends just Mm -hmm. about like what's going on you know what are you experiencing Mm -hmm. i think i was in a way quite lucky coming in because i had no expectations i wasn't a kid who'd been dreaming of doing musical theater the whole life yeah you know it was the last couple years i'd shifted from dance contemporary dance into enjoying musical theater it's why i started because the limited experience i had i enjoyed and so i just came being like you know, I'm like, there's gonna be tough training and whatnot, but I have mm-hmm. no idea what I was gonna expect. And I think a lot of people who maybe do it their whole lives, they have like this idea in their head of it's gonna be this perfect, straight out of High School Musical, like it's gonna be, gonna be great and so much fun, which it is, mm-hmm. but not every day, not no, every yeah. hour. Not I think, minute. I think it for me, it was inspired by teachers that I had at you know doing like stage school and stuff. You know, I'd seen them do it. They'd gone into Les Mis and other musicals like that. And I was just like, you know what? I can do that. I want to do it. And then just kind of, you know, I never ever thought of the bad things when I was younger that would would ever lead up or come to it. And then they all hit you and you're like, okay, that's, um," you know, I never was told about that. was never ready. And no no one's ever going to tell you because, you know, you never... When you tell people about kind of like rejection and stuff, like people are like, oh, I'm really sorry. Like, I hope you're okay. But like, I don't think there's ever anything that can be said after rejection that you can be like, oh, do you know what? I never thought of it that way. Like it's still happened, mm. um, you know, and you can always think of it positively. Like if you get, if you get through rounds and then you get cut, you could be like, oh, I made it through, but you still didn't get it. And you're just like, but, but that's the goal. There's one goal and that's to get a job. And when you can't get that job, it's just like an endless like circle of job hunting. Yeah. Like I find it difficult to try and find a side job when I'm not working. And I hate looking for jobs because like I never know what I want to do. Like I do I want to go to this? Do I want to go and do bar work? Do I want to go and work in retail? Do I want to do this? I don't want to do any of it. <laughs> I want to. Yeah. I yeah. want to sit at home. I want to sit at home and be able to do musical theatre and just go to auditions. But that is not how life is, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, it's it's kind of growing up and starting to realise what 
life is really like and like what for some people uh you know people talk about it and i'm like are you are you sure that that's what you know life's after uni is going to be like because mm-hmm. i've heard some pretty wild stories um mm-hmm. about like how tough it is oh and, it's um, yeah you know it's it's starting to kind of to, to realize like you're gonna have to do a bit of everything just to to get through yeah and it, it's meant to be like adult life but i'm not an adult like no way mm. i had to send i have to apply for my first like tax number this month <laughs> and i still don't know how to do my tax <laughs> like it's just like you feel like you're meant to be an adult i'm just a big kid yeah. i really am like yeah i want to sit at home and watch telly and so true. like I, i'm a i'm still a big kid you know like and I like geek out on like Marvel and, and oh, Star nice. Wars and stuff. And like, nice, I nice. still, I still like, they're not kiddie things, but I'd like no, no, those no, like no. guilty, guilty pleasures. Like I do feel like a big kid mm. in, in such a big adult world. And yeah. like, I remember looking up to like kids around my block who were like 16 when I was like nine and going, Oh my God, they're so old and mature. Oh, say, I got same and then I look at myself now, like, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I'm not 20. Like I'm not 22. I'm yeah. still like this 16 year old kid. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not. But it's 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 like I'm still I'm not an adult. You know, like and I think with this job coming up, it's gonna really test my adultry of like, are you a big kid now or are you able to step into a professional world as a professional and then step out of it? Yeah. Um But no, yeah, just like I just. I just, yeah, being an adult scares the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, Like, even the tax thing, I was like, yeah, 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 I'll be fine with it. And I still haven't, my brother was saying, he was like, oh, and my dad, he was like, oh, you've got to go and get an accountant. I was like, what? Like, an accountant? I was like, I need one of them now. I was just like, oh, am I going to need a lawyer next week or something? And just like, all these big adult grown-up things. And you're just, I just like, but I'm not, I can't, I'm not ready for that. I, I don't know what to do. Um, but like, yeah, it, it's happening now. So it's, it, I mean, it's not going backwards. It's only going forwards from here. So you've got to kind of just like learn to to be an adult and um, just kind of, yeah, just settle into life in that way. Because, you know, education is done now. That's yeah. the, cr- I think that is the craziest thing. To me, that has never sunk in. Is that education, like pr- proper education. Yeah, because you're done. always learning, but actual like, you know, paying to be taught something that's yeah. finished. Yeah, and you know, I have like creatives that I work with, and I think they 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 are absolutely quality, and they are brilliant, brilliant creatives. But like, it's like almost looking at them and going, "You're not my teacher. You're not technically my teacher anymore." But you also technically are. But like, you're not a teacher at school. You're a yeah. teacher at a job. So you're technically my boss. So it just it becomes yeah. all a bit like yeah yeah i don't i'm really not i'm not ready for this at all <laughs> i'm really not and yeah um but no like that that's that's a big thing of coming out of uni it, life hits you just so quick and i think it's hit me hard in six months but it can only get harder kind of as you go through life but it's just you know that's life in it it just is what it is yeah i'm in that weird kind of transition phase where like i'm not an adult but i'm trying to be and it's like like technically you are an adult mm-hmm. but at the same time you're mm-hmm. still a big kid um mm-hmm. whereas i am i am i'm not an adult but i am trying to be and i had to do this mm-hmm. council tax exemption the other day and i was like i can do this on my own i, like, I can do it i can do it <laughs> no <laughs> no got, that's so true it got to I 20 can't. to midnight the day that it was due and i was like 
I can't do it. Yeah, it's too I, many problems. I remember in second year, my flatmate did it for me because, yeah. well, our, she was offering to do it for the flat because we just wanted to get it done. But there was a point where I was just like, I don't even know who to talk to. <laughs> I yeah. don't know who to email. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah it just got, it ended up being so confusing and like, mm. I just, what am I doing wrong? Even filling out the self-assessment form was just like, I I click that one. <laughs> like, I think that's the one I need. <laughs> yeah. And even asked my parents, I was like, "Is this the one?" He was like, and then like bless him, my dad was trying to talk to me about it, and I had no clue what he was talking about. So I just went, "Okay," <laughs> just yeah. just said the so Luckily, it worked, but um. um but those are the things like, like they're just part of life now. Yeah, it's and, true. Like you don't get yeah. taught that stuff, and so it's. it's but to be fair, Bird did quite it. a good job of actually kind of letting you know what it's going to be like. We learn it in third year. Okay. I just—it's not that I didn't listen. It's that I just like maths and legal stuff uh, always confuses me. Contracts and and things like that. It's just like that was always going to be confusing. Of just kind of like oh, I've got to sign and read all these terms and conditions. And, you know, some of them might say big words that I just don't understand or some of them are going to say things that I don't like. And it's just like, it's just learning to be able to to kind of, yeah, be an adult. And, you know, you never, you never really are ready for what it's going to be like. And you just have to learn day by day, really. Yeah. No, I mean totally agree with that i mean i'm four years younger than you you're 22 yeah yes yeah i'm four years younger than you and yeah, I, I feel like already i'm starting to like experience some of this and i just know that it's going to continue for the next many years and at 26 odd i still won't be feeling like uh, no way ready. no way the thing is when i turned 21 i was like oh christ this is it yeah and i'm 22 now and i'm just like nope yeah no 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 and it, it, it hasn't it hasn't and um yeah it's just like I don't know. I don't know why it is though. Like even living away from home, I didn't feel like an adult. I felt like a kid, kid on holiday for three years. Mm. And like now I live back at home while my parents are like go. I still feel like a kid because I'm living with my parents and I have my own room. And you know, like yeah, I just I, just, I still just feel like a big kid. And just living under my parents' roof makes me feel even more like a kid. Just being like. Yeah, I still live at home with my parents. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Like, it's quite realistic. It's so realistic nowadays. I, you know, even after this this cruise, like, I'll still be living with my parents. I've made that choice for the sole reason is that I will still not have enough money, and that's that's not a contract or a a, a pay for. It's generally just how expensive life is at the moment. Oh yeah, the housing. I mean, I I'm just interested in things like this, and so I'm always looking into it. But the amount of money that you need nowadays just to survive on your own i was i was i was lucky because with my student loan my parents or you know my parents have supported me crazy amounts mm -hmm. like more than i ever you know ever asked for or expected like they really helped me at bird because you know they they helped with the flat you know because the the flats that I went, you there's no way like in today's day and age you can get a student loan and pay all your flat stuff off, oh, no, and then I also can't. have money for food and yeah. also have money for like safety drive petrol, like student loans pay for your tuition and give you a bit of extra money. But if you've not got the money with you, it is physically impossible to go to uni. It is physically yeah. impossible to go to uni. Yeah, my maintenance loan doesn't come. Esp especially place. my maintenance loan didn't come yeah. this place. Yeah, at, yeah, at make, all. Make up to the difference and then still pay for food. 
it's not you, you can't you can't do it and even if you get a side job which you know most of people did but like some people were lucky not to have to have a side job and they can just kind of get through it you know i went through four jobs over here one because it was just like i was looking to move and build up and do different things but like the recent job i had i've been working at since february um well, I was working up uh, at Harrods, like selling um, aftershave and perfume because they were really flexible. It was like agency work. But even then, like I lose the first two hours of my shift because I'm spending 10 quid on travel. And then up there you have to like, it costs an arm and a leg for food. And you're losing the first two hours of your eight hour shift, which mm. is meant to be paying you 80 quid. Yeah. And you're spending 20 of it on having to actually just survive the day. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the time, like, especially at drama, you need when you got home, just like, I just wanted to go to bed, but I had to eat something. So you get takeaway like you. I just I almost forgot how to. Like live without without like eating food. Yeah. Um, Like that. I didn't cook. Like it, it, that. That is generally just a struggle of. And even with that, that's just more money. So everything is so expensive nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, it's ridiculous. It is, it's generally ridiculous. And, um, I, I, it's just going to keep on going up and it's just going to become more difficult. And to be honest, that's one of the main, main reasons why I took a cruise because I'm not saying it's all paid for out there, but like, I don't have to worry about how expensive it's going to be on there because everything's going to be an okay price because we work there. Mm. And like we're going to different countries who, you know, like, you know, I'm not going to be spending stupid amount like I do in London. Yeah. I went, I went into London. We were in, I was in Wembley yesterday, I think. Oh, that's where you're currently living. Is it? <laughs> um, I went into Wembley yesterday because we, our rehearsals are in Ac uh, Acton. Just uh, like it's still northwest though, so, um, um, yeah, we went into Wembley and um, for a pint of San Miguel it was six pound ten, and I was like, you know, I remember when I turned eighteen, it was before COVID. Everything I'd say that was like still decent price. I can get a San Miguel from Spoons for three pound sixty five. And I went up into Wembley, and yeah, albeit it's Wembley, but like six pounds ten. I was just like, yeah, what? You can get a four pack of alcohol for yeah, but e but e but even now, like a four pack of alcohol for six pounds is ridiculous. I'm not, I, you know, for me there should be a the four pound fifty at most. I remember, I always remember this because this is where I think the country went downhill. Is out the co-op. They used to do three beers for five pounds, and they weren't just three beers. They were the three just bigger than the pipe bowls, okay. like the actual ones, and they used to be three for five pounds. They now two for five pounds. So you get a less beer yeah. for the same price. Yeah. And that's not me saying I'm an alcoholic or anything, yeah. but like whenever, like especially when you're 18, you like go out every weekend. Then, oh, I try not to. But... Well, unfortunately, Most I was, people do. I, I was very different. I'm 19. <laughs> You're free. I was about to say, like, I've only been 18 for a year. I was I'm about 19. to say, you're three years. You're definitely not three years younger than me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, in my head, I'm 18. In my head, I'm 18. Oh, no, don't worry. When someone asks me my um, uh, 
buying all things an energy drink I got ID'd for. And uh, they were like, how old are you? And I was like, 21. And I was like, hold on, sorry. No, ask me that again. I'm 22. And I just kind of forgot I'd even had my birthday. Yeah, yeah I'd forgotten. Yeah. Um, and it's young people uh, and how lots of young people now feel like they are younger than they are. So if you were, for example, I was 14 when the pandemic started. And, yep. and th- if you don't mind me asking, how old are you now? I'm 18. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, uh, so there's been a lot of studies of saying like people who... Uh, I mean, everyone, everyone experienced yeah. pandemic, but especially people who were in those like fundamental years of development mm. in the pandemic are facing this thing called the pandemic skip where mentally they're a lot younger. Oh yeah, I completely agree with that. are in life. Because obviously like the three of us were all in very like developmental I, stages. I was eight, no, I was 18 at, at, in COVID because I just had my 18th birthday in October before in the pandemic time. started. <laughs> so I was 18 and I'm now 22. And no, I completely agree because because we just spent all day inside. You yeah, know, like, so uh, oh yeah, I I don't know how many hours of Fortnite and FIFA <laughs> I played, <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, you'd wait. Seconds. I woke up at two o'clock in the afternoon because I'd been to sleep at two o'clock in the morning. That was the life. You know, yeah. I remember once I sat up with my mates playing. A, we downloaded Monopoly on my PlayStation. Nice, nice. Okay. We all did, and we played for seven hours. We played a game of Monopoly yeah. for seven hours because there was nothing else to do. Ridiculous. Yeah, Among Us, I really got into Among Us. I was... I never got into that. Oh, no, I, I still play it. I can't like... I, I never got... I don't and know I consume why. gaming. I don't game much, much. But I don't really... Anymore, I'm too busy. But I consume... When I'm, I come home, I'm tired, right? You're shattered after your long day. Yeah. I just lie in bed. I stick on some sort of sidemen gaming, anything, like, just to... Because mm-hmm. I'm just dead. I've got no energy to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you were saying all about like you're coming home and not having energy and just ordering a takeaway. I've been pretty good with doing prep meals. No, yeah. And it's been a really good cheat in terms of efficiency. Yeah, I'd do it for about a week and then I'd stop. Because <laughs> like I'd be like, oh, I'm going to cook chicken. I'm going to cook chicken this week. And then I'd watch a video on TikTok. I'd be like, oh, that'd be a good prep meal to have. Mm-hmm. And then just like, I'd get to it. I'm just like, no, can't be asked. And just like... It, it's just like the weekend, like even at the weekends, like when you're at drama school, like my weekends was filled with working because in the week I wouldn't be able to work because I'm at uni and yeah. then I need money. And yeah. it was just, just an endless cycle of, do you know what? I'm going to try this for a week. Oh, and I've quit that. And it was just like, I recently, very recently got back into my gym work. It's kind of had to take a bit of a stop now because I'm in rehearsals. And when I'm in rehearsals, I get home really late or like I want to lie in if I start late Mm -hmm. because like they're so intense. So I've had to kind of stop, but I kind of did like six, seven weeks of just like going to the gym basically three, four times a week because it was the one thing I wanted to get back into because I love my gym. I like, I love my sports and my athletic like stuff and, 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 and gym. And like, I wanted to just get back in there and be like, Oh, do you know what? Like it gave me something to do while I was kind of in the rehearsal uh, waiting from when I had the job to actually start the rehearsal period. I was like, right, I really want to get in shape. 
And, but like, even now I'm just kind of like, life's got in the way again. Like with, you know, small things like prep mills, like I was very easy to let life get in the way or something get in the way and actually just stop myself. Um, like I tried to do the gym up at uni and it was so difficult. So, so difficult. I haven't even tried. No. And, you know, I remember when I started rent, <laughs> it was hmm. the first day of rent. And I went, do you know what? Whilst I'm in rent, I'm going to wake up really early. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat all this healthy food. It lasted a day. Crazy. Because I woke up at for, six o'clock. I went to the gym. I did my first day of rent. I was exhausted. And then I was like, I'll get up and go to the gym tomorrow. Set my alarm. And I didn't wake up because I was that tired. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I actually cannot do this. It's realistic, though. No, it? it is realistic. But I, I, you know, I found myself giving up way too easy. I, I could have done it if I really, really wanted to. I really, really wanted to, and that's what stopped me. Really, like because realistically, I wasn't willing to put in the work. Yeah, but again, you know, it is what is realistic, and and some things are possible, but just aren't realistic. Like, yeah, just like, that's such an no, insane... definitely. That's that's what I've learned to be true yeah. to myself. And if I actually cannot physically put in that work because of something going on, I'm not going to push myself because that's at that well in this moment in time, I don't want to push myself beyond what yeah. I think I'm actually capable of. Because I'm, you know, I'm starting to have to relearn how to kind of put in that work and go. Do you know what? I do want to work at this work rate because, you know, they got. A it just it just got to a point where I was just like I'm not even trying, mm. and yeah, that's that's that was what it was really. It just it just got to that point of oh, do you know what? I I don't want to do it anymore. Um, but no, living. Going back to this kind of topic of living in this country, it, or living at uni, it's horrendous. It's horrendous. It's horrible, and it's so expensive. Yes. You know, everywhere you look. And I, th- I mean, Sidcup's a nice area. I think Sidcup's a nice area. I agree. I think Sidcup's a really nice area. I think it's very expensive, though. It is very expensive. And I'm very lucky in second year to find a really, really lovely flat at a really, really cheap price of, like, I think it was, like, four four eighty a month between... And that was, like, there were four... It was a four-bedroom four house... On top of, do you know where Boyles is in in Sidcup? You know that little Irish bar. I haven't actually explored. Down by Papal John's. I honestly haven't explored. The I've, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's down there. It's by yeah. the station, and it was opposite that, and it was like on, on top of like an office, but it was a two two story like apartment mm-hmm. um, with a massive front room, massive kitchen, two wow. bar two bathrooms, two showers, everything. Um, and four bedrooms upstairs. One of them was a bit smaller. Uh, one of the bedrooms was quite small. There were two big bedrooms, and I was lucky enough to be in kind of the second of the big bedrooms. I think the other one was bigger than mine. And then there was like a smaller bedroom, which you could fit a double in, but it was quite tight. And then there was another way you just couldn't fit a double in. It was just, it had to be a single. Mm-hmm. But that was four eighty a month. And that is wow. the big, the biggest bargain I, I've ever had. Yeah, because... Wow. And it was a great house. It was so good. It was yeah. so good, but I got hit straight back down to earth in third year because I th- think we ended up paying seven two five in my third Ooh, year. Yeah, I'm in the eight. That yeah, that wasn't that mean. Well, yeah, my first year here wasn't cheap. My first year here wasn't cheap, and that was in COVID as well. 
Yeah. I did like it though. I had a quality flatmate. He was he was great. He was he was in third year when I was in first year. So I only knew him for a year. Mm-hmm. But like it was so good here. It was so, so good here. Like um but it was expensive. Yeah, it was it was hella expensive. The location's good, like it's easy. Oh, to it's the best location I think. Ten minutes away from Ten minutes away from Bird. And then also you're in the middle of the high street, like there's food everywhere. You know, Morrison's is just behind oh, you. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Um, it, I, I know it's okay. This is a very secure place. Um, but well, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, yeah, no, it's all right. We that's cool. Um, but very good point. Very good point. Um, You're just in a good location. Good location. You're in a very, very you know, good location. Everyone knows that I go to Bird College and live nearby, um, and I talk about the high street quite a lot. I think I don't know what you think, but do you want to get into some of the the deep topic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, man. We've kind of we've well we've talked about loads of different things. Um but hundred percent let's do it. Mental health is the topic that isn't being talked of course enough. Of course. Especially men's mental health. Like that is I would say quite overlooked. And it's starting to get a little bit of um spotlight, but not really enough. And it's more of just like it had a really good spotlight about two years ago in COVID or three years ago in COVID it had a really good spotlight and it's not it's, it's not being forgotten at all it's just like that they had men's mental health month not too long was it it might have been October or November it is November I think it was men's mental I can't remember but like was it October here's the thing we don't know which is I think the problem That was it. But yeah, it was. Really it was. Much done about. I I thought it was October or September. I feel like we've recently had it. I I don't know. Because I de- I definitely posted something. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely posted <laughs> at least two things. I just can't remember what I posted. Yeah. But it was definitely re- it was. It was definitely before I started rehearsals. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you know, it's it is a massive, complex you know, topic. And I think maybe that's why people avoid it. Um, yeah. But we're about to kind of tackle it. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure, uh, I mean, we've both got kind of experiences. Yeah. You know, they, they'll all kind of differ, intertwine. November? It was, it was. It is this month. Oh, yeah, it is because it's November, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's November. I've said I'm doing November, but that's just my I did Mova- I didn't do November this year. I don't, I don't really know why. I did November two years in the trot. Last year and the year before. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm trying, but like, it's, guys, it's not, it's not. I won't do it because mine's awful. Yeah. I can't, I can't put myself through it. Yeah. Like, I think, I, I obviously, I support in my own ways, but like, I can't, I can, yeah, I can yeah. hardly grow a beard. Like, I wouldn't say this is, is this is like m- my mate's beards are so much better than mine. Well, you, you've got more than what I've got. Like, I'm dealing with very much, uh, but like, scruff. it's it just, um, yeah, just I, I can't do it. I can't grow a mustache because yeah. it just, yeah, it does not look, it does not suit me. That's fair, that's fair. It's, do, it's not there for everyone, uh, yet. <laughs> Who knows? A couple of years' time, you might be with a full on. Oh, um, I think before we kind of, kind of get started. I think we should address the elephant in the room, which is, I I did get a haircut about a couple of hours ago, <laughs> and it has been the biggest change 
of my life recently. Obviously, seeing your, your Instagrams, I was like, oh, he's going to have really long hair. And when I walked in, I was like, is this the same? <laughs> yeah. I thought you... To be honest, to be honest, I thought you were the camera, <laughs> and I was gonna, I was gonna meet someone else. I generally, you generally open the door. I was like, is that is, is that is, is that, that him? Or him? Are they doing the camera work. No, no, yeah. no. I, it's all right. I've, I had enough. I, I, I grew my hair so long, it was manhunnable, mm. which is, I think, for me, quite impressive. Um, I know this is off topic, but I feel like just no, of course, why not? Funny. Um. And I was just walking home from college and I'd been thinking about it. And I was like, I'm just going to search the barbershops. I just went to the first one that's nearby. Uh, and I was like, I'm just going to, because the reason I was man bunning, when it's long, I have lovely curly locks, you know, they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. But when I'm training, it gets my face. It mm-hmm. kind of brings me down. It lowers in a way, weirdly lowers my confidence. My eyeline is down. Everything kind of shrinks. Oh, don't worry, mate. Then, the, yeah. The man bun brought everything back. I was like, I'm suddenly a little bit more like pulled back. Yeah. And it brings me up slightly. However, I didn't like the way it looked. I'm not yet. I'm not yet a massive fan of this, but I'm sure it will grow on me. So I just said to the guy, "Get rid of it all. Just yeah, get rid of it. Yeah. Sides, kind of have it curly. No, yeah. Forwards, bring it nice and short so it's at the top of my. But head. I did that. I think a lot of boys have done that recently. Yeah. Because I used to have really long hair. Like it was re- like this. It's naturally curly, so it's yeah, It doesn't go grow out. It grows up, hmm. and it gets like really like curly and yeah. frizzy and yeah. In COVID, I was just like, oh, my dad, my dad, had, um, well, I think we had some raises. I went, dad, just shave off. And he went, well, he went, just shave off. And I had a buzz cut for two years. And then I tried to grow it back and it's never been the same. Mm. Well, but I then you get used to it. I think it's good at how it you, is now. You, you get, thank you. That's all right. <laughs> you, you, get, you get used to it. You get yeah. used to it. Um, but yeah, you, you know, you might, that might be it for... You know, the next few years, and then you might go. Well, I might want a bus cut. Don't get bu- well. I would say don't get a bus cut, but it was definitely the worst decision I've ever yeah. made. Okay, okay, fair. Um, yeah, I think it's, it kind of links in well with like self-image and like identity and yeah. just feeling kind of comfortable in yourself. I mean, it's it's a lot for me to get used to mm-hmm. because I was so used to having like just the the most amazing long kind of mm-hmm. you know. Oh, sorry, I'm looking over there because there's a mirror. Um, and I just can't stop staring at myself and being like, what the yeah. hell have I done? <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was, I do things impulsively quite a lot. I don't know why. Um, hi camera. And, uh, a lot of the time I just go like, well, I'll just do it. Like, yeah, why not? Why not? Just why do not? It. Um, that was very irrelevant, but hey, I just thought <laughs> I'd share. Um, bit of, bit of kind of lightheartedness before we really kind of get. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the most appropriate way of starting. This I don't. Is. I mean, I, neither. I mean, yeah. If you'd like to, I mean, this is very much kind of the course that you're on. You should probably leave this podcast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> My name, uh, I'm Caitlin. I don't know if that that's relevant. Anyway, um, I'm currently training at Central. Um, and I'm on the drama applied theatre and education degree. Um, and so I do a lot of work with people in theatre or people who aren't in theatre, but we bring the theatre mm-hmm. to them, um, who may be part of various, um, uh, work with all sorts of people, people with who've experienced different mental health issues, mm-hmm. um, people who, our care experience has been something we've been doing a lot of work with recently. Like, yeah. um, 
and it all you know we've study identity and national mm -hmm. identity and all sorts of really really interesting yeah. things um so i have to be very we do a lot of training about how to hold a room and how to navigate people's different experiences yeah and making sure that all of these spaces where we run workshops are spaces that people feel like they are able to talk oh yeah able to like share mm -hmm. their experiences oh, and what they're comfortable yeah doing. um are you i know <laughs> it's okay um was I don't know if you you want to start by talking about something that's similarly relevant and kind yeah. of like lead into it a bit more easily, and then we'll kind of come out of it the other side and yeah, of course. Talk about to be honest with, it with with it, you talk about one thing, it's gonna go so many different directions. Yeah, you know you'll get a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Uh. I don't know. Whoa. That's all right. No, we, you know, because it's it's sensitive. Uh, I think, with for me, it's such a hard one to start. Yeah, it's so hard to start. No, but once you're in it, yeah. I, once I, you're I in it, like, but we're in an environment where we're, no, we're going to. We know we're going to. Um, I'm not qualified to. I just enjoy having conversations. Yeah, I'm. I'm not qualified, but I've had enough counselling and spoke to enough people to kind of not know what I'm talking about, but like to have that experience to be like this is this is what it's like okay but before today yeah. how often do you speak to your male friends about your mental health like between guys how often do you guys sit down and genuinely if someone goes like how are you yeah when do, like do do you guys genuinely sit down and answer each other it de it depends on who you're with my it, first answer is just no, full stop. But you're someone who is... Yeah, I, it depends on who you're with. I, I think it really does. I think it depends on the the person and who you want to speak to about it. There are certain people who I can definitely talk, as, as a man, man's man conversation, I can sit down and have a conversation with. You know, one of them is my brother. I don't, um, one of them is my dad. Um, and one of them... A couple of them are like my, one of them's my one of my best mates from Bird, and there's a couple of others, but the other time, no. Nah. There's, yeah, there's interactions of you know how are you, you okay, what have you done today, things like that, but I don't think I can count on my fingers how many conversations I've had about it, um, and it's just. Do you know what? It, it, it's it's not a fear of anything. It's just generally we just don't talk about it. We just don't talk about it because I think it's just a boys' friendship dynamic. You know, like with my mates, what we do, we play on. We're, we're on PlayStation together. We speak about games. We speak about football. We speak about funny things we've seen on the internet. You know, we go out and we speak about you know like other things, but not. We won't speak about like mental health because it's just like. I just think it's not something we really want to talk about. And that's, it's not like a, oh, we're not going to talk about if everything okay. Like, there, there is obviously such a stigma in the kind of, in the, you know, the boys community that we, we, we don't speak about it. But we, we I, I don't think I speak about it because it's just like, I don't, I don't really want to speak to it about my friends. Do you know? Like, I want my friends to be my friends and have good time with my friends. And yeah, like 
I have, I was very easily overconfident about talking these type of things to the wrong people. And by wrong people, I mean people that probably don't want to hear it. Cause a lot of people don't. Because the situation with boys is, a lot of us have things going on, but we need to deal with ourselves and we don't want to hear about anyone else's problems because it just worries us about other things. But Damn. I just know. I just, I don't. Right. I, I really, I really don't. And I don't know. I just, it just feels like such a normal thing to say. Like, I don't speak to my friends about my mental health. They know, they know that stuff is wrong with, not stuff, they know that I, sh- I struggle, but that's because they can see it. That's because, like, I told them that I do, because you, it was kind of like a warning, but, like, it was like, you, you, I told them just because I wanted them to be aware, but I never speak about it. I never talk about, especially in a big group. If it's one-on-one, then maybe. I maybe slip a few things in about like how I am feeling, what's happened, but no, no way. And, and it's not anything on them. It's just, it's just a me thing. You know, I just wouldn't want to put that on, on them because a lot of people don't like to talk about it and they don't want to hear sensitive stuff. And that's fair enough. That is fair. That is, that is just life really. And, you know, I got used, I've been so used to that. You know, when, when people talk about uh, men sit in silence, do you, it is, sometimes it is the best solution to sit in silence. Some so. Sometimes in those situations, you just want to be alone. You know, I, I could, in those situations, sometimes I could stick on my PlayStation, not talk to anyone or watch YouTube or like, and I'd go for a walk by myself and put my headphones in. And you could generally just not care. Because you just kind of forget about it and just kind of go, do you know what, like, I'm able to kind of, not put it to the back of your mind, but kind of move on because you're just like, okay, that was a problem two minutes ago and it's not a problem anymore. So time to move on. That's what I've had to get used to. Just moving on. I move on very quickly. Um, But but I move on very quickly. I have to kind of take things day by day. And I try really hard not to hold on to things. I do sometimes, and, you know, I still do, hold on to quite a lot of things. But think those things are big events, like big things that changed my life that I always think about. And I'm very... I haven't been until recently, but I feel like everything... I'm not a religious man at all, but I, I'm... My friend started saying it to me and I, I started to believe him. It's just kind of everything is God's plan. Everything happened for a reason. And I like to stand by that because everything happens for a reason. Because everything happens for a reason to make room for something else because that thing happens for a reason and it's an endless cycle of things just happening because they are meant to happen. Um, but yeah, it's just like, no, it, it, I just I just really don't talk to my friends about it. Especially not anymore. I used to a little bit, but I don't think I've sat down with a friend in the last six months and gone, do you know what, today, I a- apart from one, who we, we mutually do it, like, because we're best friends. But apart from that, I, I've, I don't sit down with my mates and go, yeah, I'm not good today. I don't, because it's just, it's just not a thing, unfortunately. Yeah. Your point about people maybe not wanting to hear it because... Maybe it could remind them, or like they've got their own things. It's, that they it want scares to people. It really yeah. does. Which is maybe 
a big reason why these conversations haven't been happening much. I scared a, I've scared a lot of people off. Yeah. I've worried a lot of people. You know, like some of my friendships with people will never be the same after some of the stuff they've seen or I've told them. Because some people are just generally scared. And especially in this industry as well, you've got to think for yourself. And if you need to if you need to just back off of someone, then you do it for your own safety. And you can't be mad at that because like it's just they're doing it for themselves. And I'm sure if someone had done it it someone said something to me that I worried them about, yeah, I'm I'm quite a consoling person and check up on people, I think. But like with me, I had to kind of stand back and kind of focus on myself before helping anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was just really difficult. Um, but yeah, it's just... Um, con- consoling other people is a really difficult decision to make because especially with someone like me who struggled, like, you want to help people, but that leaves you in such a vulnerable place. Especially with people who come to me with problems that I've experienced at quite a high level. I try my best. I really do. And it's never deliberate. Like, I really, really try hard to support everyone and anyone I can if they're going through something. But it's like what we were saying about uni earlier is that life gets in the way. And sometimes you have to take the perspective of if you were drowning and your mate was drowning or if you were drowning and another person was drowning and you had the chance to save yourself, would you? And in that situation, sometimes you've got to say, yeah. And that's why I think men don't talk about it because they'd rather save themselves. We're very selfish. <laughs> We're very selfish. I feel like a lot of us are, especially when it comes to this. Um, is that a problem? Or? No, I don't think it is. I, th- I think with what I said, it's just like if you had the chance to save yourself drowning or saving someone else drowning, what would you pick? And in some situations, you have to just pick yourself. Yeah. You have to. Because if you don't, you know, you don't save yourself from drowning, you drown and die. And if you don't save yourself, you will end up going down a spiral because you just forget about what was wrong with you. And you just almost not put it to the back of your mind, but you just let it affect you and just say it's a normal thing. You know, it's a normal thing to feel this way now. Um... But yeah, I think as as mates go and like with men, I think it's like if you had to save yourself, would you? And yeah, in situations I've had to say, yeah, like um, I will. You know, it's not saying I wouldn't help anyone, but like if something does get in the way, my support might go downhill a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's because I'm also trying to support my own self. Yeah. Um, but it was never anything deliberate. It's never anything deliberate. It's, it's just generally because you have to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's that's a big thing with men, I think, is looking after ourselves. Because um, we have to. Because, I mean, like you said about kind of like the, the question of do men sit down and talk about it? We don't talk about it to anyone. You know, like, I'm very open. I will talk about it to anyone. You know, I've got friends who have got relationships and they won't even speak to them about it because they just don't want to tell people like 
just you just you just don't because you don't want to worry anyone but you also like want to save yourself so you can be the best version of you for someone else which i, I think that's the important thing to realize is with your your question about saving yourself or saving someone else you know you work on yourself you save yourself mm -hmm. you're then able to then help more people instead of not saving yourself and just you know you can save person. yourself from drowning and then save someone else yeah like i think that is just a better way of mm -hmm. of, of thinking about it. So you need to if you want to be able to help your friends your others you've got to yeah in the time to work on yourself yeah and that's challenging oh it's it's the hardest thing in the world to focus on yourself and i think that just comes with social media oh yeah and and social media yeah. and social media and more social media mm. everywhere it's absolutely everywhere and there is no it is impossible to focus on yourself now without looking at your phone and seeing what other people are doing in their lives and you're going oh that's fun and it looks great but you know i'm at home struggling and i'm looking at you in the bahamas yeah, and that that's yeah. not that's that's not like a, a a firing a shot or anyone. That is just generally just like normally how it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm at home crying, and you know you guys are at the pub having a great time. Why can't I be like you? And that is genuine because you're just like, oh, I wish I was like that. Um, but I was just just social media just makes it impossible to to, yeah. to focus on yourself. No, I I think you're so right. I mean, I had a moment like that the other day where I. Yeah, had work that I knew that I needed to get done. Mm -hmm. I decided I'm just going to stay at home, and I was seeing people posting about things that they're doing mm -hmm. or shows that they're going to watch or like these mm -hmm. groups that they've got together. I was like, oh, this looks so much fun. Like, mm -hmm. I wish I could be doing that. And it was just reminding myself that like that's not them every single day. And I've had moments in the mm -hmm. past where I have had fun, mm -hmm. you know, and have put out posts similar to that. But then you have long periods where mm -hmm. you are just with yourself no one's life on social media is true yeah and people don't post the them just being on their own doing even nothing. my my life on social media is completely untrue <laughs> it's just not me it's not in what way would you say that it's just it's just not it just isn't like i'm a very i'm not quiet but like i'm a very I get scared very easily. I get very anxious very easily. That's never like it. Sometimes I feel like I come across a little bit too overconfident or too like, which I'm definitely not like when like I started posting pictures of when I went to the gym and that is generally because like, I was like, Oh, I want people to see that I've been going to the gym. No one cares. Honestly, I don't know anyone that cares. Like, not in that way of just like, oh, I don't care that you went to the gym. But like, it's not their life. So they, you don't look at it and go, oh, do, you know, like, you don't look at it and go, oh, do you know what? Like, he's, he, like, honestly, no one cares. No one cares. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just generally, you know, no one cares if, like, you've been to the gym for an hour today. No one... Like, it's a nice thing for people to know, but, like, they're not going to sit and dwell on it. Like, no, like, stories or posts or Instagram. Like, when you do something, like, achievable, like, that's great. Stuff like that on Instagram is really good. But like, especially Instagram, like, because it's supportive. Mm -hmm. But, like, just, like, 
I just feel like Instagram is such a fake world of of people just not caring. Like I respect people that folk like not focus on it, but actually like there's some people on Instagram that I can watch forever. And like I think, live a really true life on social media because it's really good. It is just true to them. It's who they are, and I fully respect that. But like people like me, like I say, my you know, I write all you know. I put a lot of music on my Instagram um, because I write about it, and I just like I want to hear. I want you guys to hear what I wrote about. Like I want you guys to know that I did this, and this this is how I feel. But like realistically no one's gonna take more than five minutes out of their day to kind of go oh do you know it's just mm-hmm. it's just passing thought yeah um but that's just that is just social media it's just social media like i think snapchat's the worst one i don't use it that often i don't understand i spend like stupidly long hours on that app i think snapchat is you know have uh, I'm such an advocate of using these words, but I do not like them. Have I been left undelivered? Have I been aired? Have, uh, you know, this person only sent me a red snap, not a purple snap. They only sent me one kiss, not two. I hate that, but I sit and dwell over that type of stuff. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not personal, and it's not anything they do to hurt you, but it's just like so many messages are sent through Snapchat that not like physical messages like like actual like you learn a lot about people on snapchat it's mental you know i use snapchat for group chats you know i love my group chats on snapchat like they're you know that's a good thing to have each day i speak to close friends but like things like stories like i can sit there and watch stories for hours upon end because just like you just look at what people are doing in other people's lives and it gets it gets back to the point of just like you forget who you are, yeah. You forget that you actually live quite a good life. You actually are having quite a good time. So true. Just but because you're watching other people like, like go on dates or, um, like meet up with friends. meet up with friends and go and do cool stuff like that. You just make yourself feel like oh, I wish I was doing something like that. Yeah. But like. Because people only ever post the best bits of their life and then you compare what they're doing now, which is the best bits, mm-hmm. to what you're doing now, mm-hmm. which is most of the time nothing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I wish I was as fun or as cool as them. But the thing is, mm. when you're out doing fun stuff, chances are they're doing nothing. Yeah, exactly. And it's an endless cycle of stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like, I like Facebook. I think Facebook's really nice. I, I A lot of people don't like Facebook. I really like Facebook. I don't know why, but just like a lot of positive stuff, especially on my feed. It's a, do you know what? I find Facebook like a family friend type of social media. Nice. Like everything for me is family, uh, family or friends and like family friends and like yeah. people that I know or went to college with. And it's always positive. It's so positive. And I look through it and just go, oh, that's, that's sick. That's lovely. Um, you know, like Facebook is one social media app. I go on and just go, do you know what? This isn't actually depressing me at all. Like, it's really nice to 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 look and see some people's lives and like what they're doing because it's just so more honest. Yeah, it's just so much more honest, so much more like yeah, straight to the point. Like, it just it just is, and yeah. a lot of people would disagree with me. But then I think people's. You know, people have different views. It's like Twitter. Like, I don't use Twitter. Ha- <laughs> it's well, X. it's not X. Ex- <laughs> well, 
stupid. I, you know, that's not. I don't. Not I don't even. use. I don't use X. Or I don't use Twitter. Yeah. I only use it for football to watch. Because if I'm out, like I'm not watching the football. I only want to watch the goals of things because I can't be bothered to wait until like all the games are done to watch highlights. So I just watch the goals. Um, and yeah, that's the only one I really. I don't use Twitter. Yeah, I don't. Full stop. Facebook. I think what I found is. Like, people don't care how many people you've got added on Facebook. Oh, like, no, that's, aren't things that's that, the best thing about it. Yeah. Like, it's not, no a, competitive. it's not a, it's not about like counts or how many yeah. comments or how many shares you can get. I think that's what Instagram is all about. Oh, 100%. Instagram is, is, a, is a big competition. No, no, you're not being honest if you say that you don't compare people's following counts, people's likes counts. Oh, mate, I'd Everyone's be lying to you completely. Yeah, which is why, like... I, on my personal Instagram, have turned off seeing what other people's likes are. And even then, I find myself going, oh, I could just turn them back on and like see how well that post is done. But like, I, I was like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Take the value from the post. Yeah. And when I think of like the Instagram for this channel, it's turned on then because it's I approach it more in like a, with a business attitude of yeah. like comparing. And, but like, it does analytics. become your business, social media. Like my Instagram is definitely my business. Mm-hmm. Like of who I am as a performer, who I am as a yeah. who I who I want the professional era to see me as. Yeah, I think that's true for for like the world of musical theatre. Like having the social media, it does you do create a business around it because your business is you. Whereas the people who aren't mm. performers, I guess, that doesn't apply as much because they're not having to sell themselves mm. through their presence online. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, I I think it's a it's a very good point. Uh, back into the whole thing about like the best bits and people posting mm-hmm. the perfect reality. Like mm-hmm. if I were to reflect on my social media, I wouldn't say it's like completely fake. Mm-hmm. However, I won't I wouldn't post things that like that aren't like the, like the cool, the best bits, or that like aren't impressive. Like. I only put things out there which I think are like which are, are great, and I wouldn't show the real side yeah. of things. Like mm-hmm. I post things of me tumbling all the time, doing like uh-huh. flick tucks and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask me to go down to the street or around the back of this place and to do one now, like I couldn't because no. for me personally, I can't just do them yet. No. Like it's a mental block. They're not mm-hmm. perfect. They're really rough, and you know mm-hmm. it's great that I post videos of me doing all these flips. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I can do them every time. It mm. means I do them one in ten attempts. Everything has to be edited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Like literally, literally. No, I am. And no, I just I am. take the best moments of mm-hmm. you know all of these takes and recordings, and you put it out there, and people mm. go like, "Wow, they can do all this stuff." But it's like, yeah, but like, not. I, they not don't actually, do it every day of their lives. You know, like what? Th- what's reliable is if you can do it eight times a week in a show. That's what's actually impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I see these people in newsies or whatnot doing all these tricks mm-hmm. it's like you're able to do this on command mm-hmm. and that's like the impressive thing that's respectable yeah. and sure you can see people doing similar things on social media yeah but could they do that in a show every day not many of them could i certainly couldn't <laughs> at the place that i'm currently in. so it's very true like people do just post what's best and i think yeah. that's when you're talking about your mental health it's mm. just a comparison game it's yeah. why aren't i as good as why am i not doing this mm-hmm. You know how does their life look so so Perfect. great? Would you would you say social media had a big impact? Uh yeah, yeah. Snapchat in particular. Yeah, and and wh- how did that impact like show? Oh, I just thought everyone cared. 
I just thought everyone needed to know everything. Mm-hmm. And, and and they didn't. Like, they really didn't need to know everything. And I used it as a way... I almost used it as a cry-out for help, Snapchat. Especially stories. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It, it came across the complete opposite way. Whereas, kind of, like, people didn't need to know how I was really feeling. Like, the the kind of, not graphic detail, but, like, they got the vague picture. But they really just didn't need to know. And I had to learn that the hard way. Because people will step away from you. Mm-hmm. People will get sick of it. People do get sick of it. Because it's one thing to do it and it looks like a cry for help. Is another thing to do it and it looks like you're attention seeking. And you want people to talk to you. Because that's what it started to come across as. And that becomes really, really difficult because when people step away, you kind of don't know that you, they think, you, you don't know that they think it's attention-seeking or they think you're just looking for people to bite onto your, you know, to to take the bite and, and speak to you. That that's, That is what was the biggest thing for me, I think. Well, one of the biggest things is is that I overshared and that is where things only got worse from that which was such a at the time felt surprising because you thought people would want to help and they actually it's not that they didn't want to help but as I said earlier they don't want to put themselves at risk mm. and that's understandable it really is um but, you know, and it got me in some trouble. Like, it did. It got me in trouble. Um, and it was basically monitored because it was just like, you know, it got to a point where it was quite worrying. And some of the things were being posted or put out. Just like, people didn't come become like, oh, are you okay? They, like, generally came concerned like concerned to the point where they were taking time out of their days to be concerned and that's what feels like think about it now that's what makes me feel like like awful that i took people's time to to make them read something that realistically like they probably didn't need to know and then they have to think about that and how to deal with it like, yeah. that's a that's a big weight that's a big weight on on your shoulders when you you look back on it and go like, you know, you, you worried. I you know I worried a lot of people, and that's scary. Like that's really scary. Yeah, um, I think because with everything in life, it's a learning process, mm-hmm. and I think because there isn't much available out there that can inform you on the best ways to share. Yeah. That as someone who is struggling, like you're overwhelmed. And I'm saying this as someone who has struggled with a mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my experience doing gymnastics took so much, you Mm -hmm. know, and not knowing how to share and people handle it in different ways and because there isn't really much resource like easily available Mm -hmm. that you just, some people bottle it up until it bursts and some people 
you know, it does burst, over, you just put everything yeah, in. Yeah, some know, people like, over... I do, just... Some, I was one of those people I overshared. Because yeah. I always got told never to pull it up. And I almost took advantage of that. Um, but I see why people pull it up. Yeah, I was I, I bottled up until it... But there has been times it. where I have bottled it up. And then it does just burst. Yeah. Into bad into bad things. Because whenever you put something up, it's only gonna burst and burst things bursting are not good. It is not good. It is not a good feeling. It's not a good experience. And that's why I don't bottle things up. But then you have to try and find the balance of not bottling it up, but then not oversharing. And it's a hard balance. Oh, it's It's not easy. Yeah, uh, there's not a perfect balance of it. Yeah, I mean I'm trying. I am. Yeah, because I've experienced the feeling of bottling up and it it bursting out when you least expect it. Yeah. You know, when you, you're you in your place where you think you're the happiest yeah. that you could be. You're like, you know, life is starting to feel like it's going in the right direction. Yeah. But one small thing and it just, it comes out and you're like, I was not, like, you also start to doubt yourself. Yeah. Oh, am I doing, is this real? Like, was, it's, it's difficult to talk about. Um, and so now trying to find that balance of keeping some of it to yourself, working some of it on yourself, mm-hmm. but also sharing with the right people. The right people to share with are the professionals. That is what I learned. Mm-hmm. They are the people who are there to listen. They are professionally trained to listen and give you advice. That is that is their job. Yeah, it's something I've tried. I, I found quite difficult. And I don't know if that was my, it's my mindset. It's daunting. It is, no, I completely get you. It is daunting talking to someone that you do not know about problems that they, you think they probably don't understand. And that is, that is the hardest part of getting off of counselling. I know a couple of people who won't do counselling for that exact reason. They do not want to talk to some random person about what their feelings are. And they don't don't want to, and they don't want to talk... The counselling that I got from college was the best counselling I've ever had. Do you want to, do you want to talk about that then? What, yeah, no, 100%. What is offered? And I think I've got some some links to this area as well, well what the area has. At, at, at college, we got offered free counselling. But you had to be on a wait. The wait list was quite long. Um, I was lucky enough to get it in first year through to third year, so I did three years of counselling. Um and it was only in my it was only in my third year so i'd done first year and second year counseling on zoom and then third year counseling in person was in person better yes yeah 100% i've only experienced on zoom so that might be the reason zoom is so difficult on. because when you get into a room with a counselor there is a certain atmosphere which makes you feel comfortable when you're on zoom you are not sat in that same atmosphere because you were not in the same room no, you're well. Me, I was in my bedroom on my desk <laughs> on a Zoom call, and it, it, I don't know. Maybe that's what's put me off slightly. I mean, I I appreciate what was being offered and mm-hmm. the knowledge that was imparted, mm-hmm. but I think you also have to have the right counselor. You can't just go with anyone. You trial and error with counselors, but you need someone who you know is going to. I was very lucky with college because the counselor that I got given was the type of counselor that I needed. That's great. And she was incredible. And she changed my life completely. She changed my life in terms of like, I am not the same person I was in first year. And I'm not the same person I was in second year. And I'm definitely not the same person I I was when I graduated. And that is because of her. 
everything she said to me. Changed my perspective on life. Changed my perspective on a lot of other things. She gave me the tools to be able to deal with anxiety and panic attacks and really, really horrible, challenging times. And she gave me those tools and she saved my life, I think. And I I say that quite profoundly. Mm -hmm. She saved my life on multiple occasions. And you mean quite literally? Quite literally. Yeah. She is probably, apart from my mum and family, she is the most incredible woman I've ever met. Wow. That's what you want to hear, I think, when you're talking about... She is. I I mean that with my whole heart. I really do. Because... I, I I just didn't have the best time at college and a lot of it was self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was self-inflicted. A lot of it was generally because I just wasn't mentally very well. Like, it was like being physically unwell on your brain for like four years. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a physical illness and you couldn't just fix it. It wasn't just fixed. It kept coming back. And that is why mental health illnesses are so difficult so so difficult because you just like you know physical injuries are like they're not easy to recover from like you know some of them you can't recover from but some you know there's always a way out of it with mental health everything changes everything can change at the flick of a switch and i think so much research has been done into physical industry injuries like you get something you can go and talk to a physio whatever like you can have an understanding Mm -hmm. of what's happened and what needs to be done Mm mm-hmm a very clear it's very like matter of fact this is yeah. what you you've got or this is what's developed mm-hmm. here's how you do what you yeah. do going forwards it doesn't work like that well yeah like you know you get diagnosed with stuff like i've got social anxiety and i got diagnosed with de- depression when i was 17 and i had i only got diagnosed with social anxiety in 2021 and that was because i didn't know what i was struggling with because i wanted to find out even now I still don't know what some things are. And sometimes you, I say I blame it on social anxiety and go, yeah, it's just that. But sometimes it's generally not. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm trying to put a label on it. It's so difficult. Like, you can't really put a label on a lot of things for mental health. You can say what it's like and what it the feeling is kind of like, but you cannot label, like, I, I think the only one you can label is depression mm-hmm. because there are quite clear and obvious signs that you have depression. And there are quite, you know, whether it's mild or major or like, there are quite clear and obvious signs. And I think it's the same with anxiety. Um, but no, it's um, no, it, 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 I only found out, yeah, two years ago, that it was social anxiety is what I had, and I didn't even know what it was. And then you kind of go away and do your research, and I looked at it, and I just remember going. Oh yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that as well. What was what was some of this? Um, it was like not be- liking like being in big groups. I would say that's kind of like not the case for me, but like big big groups, like I'm not a massive fan of. Um, worrying about other thoughts, like a big thing with me is I care too much about what other people think. Like, for example, like. Like every single day, like this is this 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 is what makes it so difficult, and this is what made uni so difficult because every single day, not only are you going in and doing all the work and doing like that, 
it was also fine this off he's like every day at uni you'd go in and you know you'd think i'd always be thinking about what other people think about what i'm doing every single second of the day you know i've just got up and had a sing what does that person think i'm sat on this chair by myself what does that person think i've just started walking towards this way what does that person think every single move i made in my life i was always worried about what other people were thinking of me and what other people were saying about me you know some people didn't even care that's what i've started to realize it's a yeah. it, it is a it is a it is a musical theater thing sometimes but like every single day of my life i'm thinking of you know if someone makes an action, if someone does something, like it could be the simplest thing of not even talking to me, even though I haven't asked them a question. I go home and like, did I say something wrong? Did I do this? Did I do that? Did they dislike me? I wonder what they said about me when I left. I wonder if they said this. I think about that every single second of every single day. Mm -hmm. That is how my brain works. Yeah, And that is so, so tiring so tiring and it's like i'm lucky enough now to have the tools to be able to go oh it doesn't matter but when i didn't have the tools to say it didn't matter it really affected me mm. really badly and um that that was yeah that was not that was not nice because you just can't get out of that yeah you you cannot get out of that feeling of just going because you just i just used to sit and dwell on it I would, I'd sit in my room and just be like, do they really mean that? Or are they put, they said this, do they mean that or was it a joke? And you just can't, you, you forget how to differentiate what people actually mean like when they speak. And going back to the social media thing, like texting is the worst thing. Yeah, you can't you, understand. You, there's no emotions in texting and you never will be able to understand. But like, I like I ha I like I say I like to read people. I do it by default. I try and read people, and it's not a nice. It's not great because I always get it wrong. Okay. Some people I get right, um, but no, I I get it wrong all the time because you just sat there worrying, and it's just a constant worry about like different things and other things, and just like like even people like. It got to the point with me, like, even people on, like, the train, I'd look at them. And if they, like, look back at me, I was like, well, I wonder what, have I done something wrong? What was I thinking? And you'd walk around in public just, like, just scared. And just, that that's just the way I thought. And it's technically still the way I think. And I have done for the last kind of five, I say five or six years. I've been like it my whole life. I really have. And... It got worse because you get older and the stakes get higher mm. of what people are saying or what you've done. Because when you're older, you can say stuff which completely changes the course of your life. When you're a kid, it doesn't really matter, I don't think. You know, when you kind of turn 18, you say things that, you know, to people or, or, or about things that completely change the course of friendships and relationships and things that can change your life. And, and, and that's what social anxiety is really. And, it's it's not nice and you you know i find a lot more people now coming to talk to me about it because a lot more people are starting to struggle with it because social elements of life are so difficult nowadays mm. you know you can't you have to be so careful talking about everything now yes. yeah and that's not like firing like that's not throwing shade at anything or anyone but like but it is true it is true 
it is true and you have to be so careful with opinions and and stuff and that's why I've just kind of learned to be quiet on on things like Instagram and social media especially on Snapchat as well because people have opinions and people will want to tell you them whether you like it or not yeah you mentioned um tools help that yeah use where if people are wanting because obviously tools might work differently for you mm -hmm. and different tools might work better for other people if someone was was wanting to kind of look into what some of these mm -hmm. were where'd be the best place for them to find them to look at yeah i think i think generally you have to speak to someone in person yeah because they're the people that are going to be able, you know, like therapists spend their life being able to try to read people and understand people. Mm. You have to speak to professionals so they can understand who you are. Mm. And once they understand who you are, they have the tools to be able to put it in place on how, because they've had experience. They've got years of experience of just like using it on other people and seeing it success or fail. Yeah. And they know, I think generally... Like, do not read Reddit, do not read Twitter, yeah. do not read Facebook, do not read Instagram. I think when you're posting stuff about it, like, about kind of other people, you know, that's for them. That is tailored for them. That is tailored for a specific group of people or a, a, a specific person. Like, I, I think just like, I, or TikTok, you know... I th I think TikToks, you know, it's massive now. But things that I read on TikTok have just kind of like, you know, just like I've I've read some like things. I just go like, that's for you, that's great for you, like it works for you, but don't spread that that image on other people because it it might backfire heavily. And yeah. it will because if you, if someone tries it and it doesn't work and they struggle with mental health, it will backfire rapidly. And stuff like that with tools, like, you know, I like to keep all my tools quite close to my chest because I wouldn't want people doing what I do to relax myself and then going, it doesn't work. Because then that makes me feel bad <laughs> to yeah. go, oh, it doesn't work, but it works for me. But, and it's different for everyone, yeah. Every, everyone's different. Um, I think for people from college who are watching this, because you know, our audience is, a lot of it is made up mm -hmm. from, from people who do go to, to yeah. college. Um, obviously, we know the college provides um, counselling mm. <laughs> and, um, and help in that sense. Um, however, there are a few more support groups um, that are kind of local to this area. Uh, that I've got here that I can can mention, um, and we'll link them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Talkline is one that's national. If we were to go into ones that are um, for this area, Mind for Better Mental Health. Uh, that's a, a service in Bexley. Um, it's an IAPT, uh, which stands for. Well, that might not be the actual. Improving access to psychological therapy program. There we go. And it's a recovery college. So that's in Bexley. Mm -hmm. um, reinstate, opening doors to your future. Um, you can find this on bexleylocaloffer.uk. Uh, help in crisis. Mm -hmm. That's very uh, much linked to Bexley, Bromley, yeah. Greenwich. Um, 
There's one here. We're back to Mind again, but it's Mind uh, Cafe, Crisis Cafe. Um, Talkline is the national one. And then uh, Shout. I don't know if you've heard of Shout. Um, it says it's here to help you 24-7. Mm-hmm. And you just text Shout to 85258. So that is text Shout to 85258. And it can be daunting. Oh, and yeah. It can be nerve-wracking and scary. And I don't like doing it myself. And I'm always trying to find ways around it, trying to to avoid it or to... I've used the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. They were good. I was surprised with how good they were. Yeah. Because they're such a... Ge- well, that's not it. But they're, they're quite general. A lot of people use the Samaritans. Um, but their therapists are really good. I was quite surprised. Because I didn't think the help that I needed, I could get on there. And I, when I called them, I did. It's and I was like, idea. okay, right, I can call you. Uh, I knew if I was in danger, I could call them at any time. And that was what was, that that was brilliant. That was so good. That was so, so good. Yeah. Um. No, they were they were really, really, really that's, good. That's really great to hear. Mm. That's really great to hear. No, yeah, I recommend Samaritan to everyone. Yeah. Every, anyone that I'm like, if you're ever in an emergency, if you ever feel like this, call them. Because if you ever feel like you've got no one to talk to, they are there to talk to you because they, they're not anonymous. They tell you their name and stuff, but they are anonymous people that you can literally just talk and they will listen. You know, I think their motto is you talk, we listen or something like that. And they they generally just sit there and like just want you to talk to them. And it is really good. Um, and yeah, I've used them a couple of times. I think that's what people need. I think people just need to be able to talk and just have someone to listen. You don't necessarily have to discuss it, go mm. deep into it, but very basic having maybe an agreement with someone mm-hmm. with a friend just have the f- initial conversation with one of your friends who you feel comfortable with can we set up this agreement where we will mm-hmm. when we need to mm-hmm. talk to each other and just listen yeah and and just do that as a basic because any analysis or like let's think about this needs to be done by a professional yeah but the talking because you can start to realize so much yourself just through having the conversation. I find myself through anything, I'm, you know, not necessarily related to mental health, but whenever I'm talking to someone about something in great detail, I'll start to realize other things that I think about it just because I've had that conversation. Oh, yeah. It's not been... That is a lot of the thing head. that my counsellor, what I did with my counsellor, I'd speak to her about the problem and I found myself speaking about the problem in different ways mm-hmm. and other things that are actually affecting it and why it is the problem. And we got to... The, Always got, always got to the bottom of it, um, and that was what was that was what was good about it. To be fair, is like we always got to the bottom of what the problem was. Um, it was just about how we deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was what was good about it. Yeah, is there anything that necessarily didn't work well through your experience with um, finding kind of counselors or having conversations? Yeah, yeah. You've sp- talked about what has worked, like. As I said earlier, he's just finding the right counsellor. Mm-hmm. Like, there was another counsellor I had who I did tests with in 2021 because we were just testing and we I was lucky enough to get um, a, a private healthcare for it. And we used it on, on that, on finding out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And at one point, there was this guy who did my assessments. He was really good. He was really supportive, really nice, just let me speak and let me do the assessments. And then we spoke. And then I got another guy who um, 
The therapy was called CBD, which is uh, cognitive behavioral. I've heard of it. Therapy CBT. That was it. Um, cogn- cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what my counselor at uh, uh, college said was the the best thing to have. And I got this guy, and he was an ex prison therapist. Okay. Wow. That's and I spoke to him, and he was almost too experienced. Because I felt like, I was just like, I'm not a prisoner. You know, I've not done these horrendous things. I've not done this. I've not done that. Or like, like I've not had to go through that. Um, I have my own type of problems. And he'd obviously worked in prison therapy for so long. He was so used to those type of people, I think. And I just, I said to my, I remember saying to my parents, I was like, I thought it was good, but like, I, I can't. I felt like I couldn't speak to him in a way that I'd speak to someone else. Yeah. I guess, like, it's a very weird sentence, but feeling, like, not... Underqualified is a very weird way of putting it, but, like... He was he was so experienced. Yeah, you as a person, feeling like he, I shouldn't be... He, to- he told me who he'd spoke to before, and he listed off... A, not names of criminals, but criminals of who he'd worked with. And I just went... I'm underqualified. I, I was like, no, I, I was like, no way. Yeah. Because those, you know, some of those people are really mentally ill. Like, really, really, really mentally And I'm not saying I've not been really mentally ill, but never on that scale. Never, ever. And, like, he'd, you know, he must have heard it all. Yeah. He has heard it all. And I just felt like a bit of a small fish to him. Yeah. And I didn't want to be a small fish to a therapist. I wanted to be a big fish. I wanted to matter. Yeah. I, I wanted someone to, to think about how we could really sort it out. And it wasn't on him, but I just felt like it's just like my problems are way too small to the to the problems that you've dealt with. And I, I don't want, because I just felt that that could go under the radar and things just wouldn't really be taken as seriously and that wasn't his fault and i'm sure you know i'm sure well he is he probably is and still is an amazing therapist but just for me i could i couldn't work with him because it just it just wasn't me and then you know i, I still have my i don't have a counselor anymore but like the counselor as i said i found was the most incredible person i've ever met and yeah. is the counselor that i needed and i got the help from yeah. and was just you know, the best counsellor for three years that I could have ever asked for. I did want to ask you about eye contact. And it's something <laughs> that I've noticed throughout the course of this episode. I knew this was going to come up. Yeah. Is uh, the episode in general or this question? Yeah. Um, yeah, eye contact. Because I've found... Yeah. And it's, I don't mind. But I find you don't look at me. Nope. No. It's someone I've grown up with. Yeah. It is something I've grown up with. And uh, who knows? Who knows? My creative yeah. noticed it uh, when we were doing a play for the, the job I'm doing. And he was like, you don't make eye contact, do you? And I went, no. And it, it is generally one is one thing I've grown up with. And it's it's it it's it's honestly there's not really a deeper meaning behind it. It's just like I grew up with it. Um, it it just it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. But there are certain like things I'm just like I don't know. I really I I've always wanted to delve into it, but 
but I've never been able to find the answer. Like in one of the shows, I have to look someone in the eye um, for quite a long time for this job. And it's just like, I just feel when you look at some, it's almost a hiding mechanism because I don't want people to know what I'm actually truly thinking or what I'm truly feeling or that um, I just want, it just, I've just grown up with it. And I know, I look down, I know a girl who I used to go to school with, she looks up. Like, it's just, it's just part of me. It's just part of me. It's just part of me. And, um, you know, I've never, um, I've never really understood why. Because I wouldn't say looking, like, eye contact is uncomfortable. Like, it's not a horrendously comfortable thing. Because sometimes I can do it. Like, sometimes I can do it and just go, oh, do you know what? I'll be fine. But it, it comes in small, brief moments. Because it just, like, it just doesn't come very naturally to me looking people in the eye. And sometimes people find it quite rude. Um, and understandable um but it is generally just not it's i'm not being rude uh, and i'm tr- i'm not trying to upset anyone it's just generally just something i'm just not very good at mm. um just because just yeah i just haven't and just i've never really learned how to it's almost like a fear but it's not a fear it's just like it's just kind of crazy yeah uh, to, to ex- ex- explain because i don't really know how to explain it i just kind of like but it's there but it's yeah, there it's, you know, yeah it's like it's like having a twitch i feel like it's my version of having a twitch it's just like i can't look at anyone in the eye um but like that's a very really that's a very bad ex- like comparison but like it it is just like you can't i know a few people like it but just like it's just a thing for me that I've grown up with, and yeah. um, people, you know, people, people I'm close with have just got used to it, um, I, I and just I kind know. of just notice it. But no creatives, like recently, a creative noticed it, and he was like, "You, you don't do it," and he was like, "You just, you kind of just don't look anywhere. You just kind of look." And I was like, oh, thanks. That's a really good explanation of what <laughs> it is. <laughs> but um, I see what they mean. One, yeah. one creative was like, you look down, you need to look up into the audience. And the other was like, like, you look, you, you go to someone to interact with someone and you don't look at them, but you interact with them in your own way. And I was like, you know what? That's a really good way of putting it. But like, it doesn't affect a lot. Like, in musical theatre, I'm actually all right with it if I'm looking up. Okay. Because I get to look up into the audience and I'm actually not looking up. Uh, in anyone in the eye, um, but yeah, that's just yeah, yeah just part of me, really. Yeah. No, I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you seemed very uh, passionate. It seemed like you had a lot to say about this topic that I think we're probably going to use as our ending. Yeah, ending topic, um, which was how diet and sleep affect you. Yeah, and I don't know, and maybe once you start speaking about it i'll start to think more about it but on the surface level i would just think with like general health i just be like you know it's it's good for you is there more to that yeah there is and what is that more (sighs) the thing is i've had a big relationship with food i think well i'll I'll start with food i've had a big relationship with food because i before i kind of took musical theater seriously i used to be um, really skinny. I used to. I used to be a 400 meter runner. I used to run 400 meters at quite a high level. I got to go to things like nationals because of like times and stuff. And you know, I 
I was competing at a really high standard for for my age up until I was about seventeen, and I played football and I played rugby and you know I did all of this sport and I was just so skinny and it wasn't the f- I didn't it was like, I didn't have any muscle on me either though I wasn't like a big lad like I was very very lightweight skinny thin um, I didn't really have much on me um, because like I spent two times a week training athletics one time I was training. One playing football, one training, two training rugby, and one playing. So I was doing kind of football, athletics, rugby seven days a week, and plus doing PE at school. Um, and and I just other exercises like you know I used to go on runs and and stuff like that. Um, and then COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. Everything from me went downhill when COVID hit. Um, but. I don't have stress-induced anxiety, um, stress-induced eating or anxiety-induced eating, but sometimes I think I do. You know, and I'm a spender as well. I, I it also comes with a money problem as well. Um, I spend a lot of money on food, on not like, or things that realistically I don't really need to buy, and a lot of the time it was food, but like a lot of the time I got a job at um, my first job in COVID was at a Tesco's. And, um, you know, I used to have a packed lunch, but when I went on my lunch break, I'd buy a meal deal and donuts and just all this crap. And then on my tea break, which was half an hour, I'd have my packed lunch. So I was having two lunches a day and then having dinner when I got home. And I was just eating so much because I couldn't train. I didn't want to go out of the house and do running. I didn't want to go out of the house because I wanted to stay home and stay safe. And that's when it kind of got into me, of just like laying in bed until two o'clock in the morning, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon. And I became really unfit. There was a time, kind of the first year of COVID weren't too bad. It got quite bad, kind of back end of last year, till about five weeks ago. I remember, how much? I weighed 72 kg in 2019, maybe 2018. Okay. I weighed myself, I think, seven weeks ago, and I was at 97 kg. And that's hard. Hmm. That's really hard. And it's almost like I went through a second puberty, but it also was, I was just eating so much. And, what, and when I wasn't eating so much, I was eating the wrong things. Because... Like we said earlier, like you get home from uni, you don't want to cook the right things. You want something that is going to be quick and easy. You can sit and just do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I ate a lot of takeaway and a lot of bad stuff. Um, and there were also other factors of just like, you know, habits that I used to have that I don't have anymore. But like that, that got me eating. And I just... I just got into this spiral of just like losing track of what I was eating. And it was about seven weeks ago when I got this job and I looked at photos from my graduation and I went, I've got to sort myself out. So I think in the last seven weeks, I've calculated, I'm down to 89 kg now. So I've lost 8 kg in seven weeks by eating the right things, by tracking my calories, by going to the gym, by doing this, this and that. Because generally I wanted to sort myself out. And... Yeah, like I don't look horrendously different, but I look a lot m- 
better than I did at graduation. There are a couple of fact, uh, uh, factors that were affecting my eating kind of back in the last year and this year and that that were really difficult because I was eating because I was stressed and I was eating because I thought that would make me feel better uh, and it didn't. Um, but yeah, I've I've finally found kind of a better relationship with food. Um, and I'm still working on it really, um, you know, kind of still losing weight um, and trying to lose weight while also trying to keep myself okay like there's sometimes like the kind of gym works kind of stopped now because of rehearsals because i really really just don't get time um and on my day off like like today like obviously i knew i was coming here but like i could have gone to the gym in the morning but i was so tired because i've done so much rehearsal i just want to sleep in yeah. and I, t- I i i i find that quite good for myself to kind of go do you know what i'm just going to do nothing today and then when i do need to go so- do something i will go and do it i think that's so healthy though being mm-hmm. able to allow yourself to be like today i just got to allow myself to rest it can be very unhealthy though it it really can be you I can you can spiral into not doing anything and mm. yeah yeah it's a balance then it it got yeah it was it was bad it was really bad um but yeah like i just had just kind of the last three years i had a really difficult relationship with food and i I still do and it's because like i'd much everything tastes so much better when you buy it like especially from like a corner shop you buy a pack of hoops it tastes so much better when you've paid a pound for it whether instead of like your mum's actually bought a bag of hula hoops from like tesco's or something and bought them home like everything tastes better when you pay for it um it also became an addiction, which is such a weird thing. Like, eating and buying food became an addiction for me. And I didn't recognise it because I didn't think it was a real addiction, but it truly, truly is. And it was really, really, really hard to get out of. Really hard, because I didn't recognise it. And I was a bit like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. And I just lost myself over time to the point where I got to 97 kg and I just went, oh, Christ, I really have, like, really have got a problem here. A really bad problem on my hands. And that's when I wanted to sort it out. And um, me and my mum kind of did it at the same time. What's what's nice with my mum is that me and her kind of were having the same kind of thoughts of, like, we really should start going to the gym or... You know, we wanted to do more exercise because we just felt like in kind of the back end of this year, we were like, you know, we kind of want to just get into it. So my mum inspired me, really. And my mum still inspires me because, bless her, like, she gets up at five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym and then does two gym sessions a day whilst also going to work at school. She works at school. And, like, she is the biggest inspiration to me my mum's my best friend um i speak to everything with my mum and even my dad like you know my parents are my best friends you know and that's you know that that is my relationship with them like i can talk to them about anything but like my mum is such a massive inspiration to me because like she's really taking this kind of gym thing like really i'm not saying i haven't taken it seriously but she is like smashing it 
and I've never, you know, I'm so proud of her. Mm. And like, I look up to her a lot when, she, you know, she wakes up at five o'clock in the morning and I'll have to wake up at half six. She's already been to the gym, come back, had a shower and ready to go to work. And I'm still in bed. And I'm like, mm. mom, what are you doing? She was like, oh, I've been to the gym. I was like, oh, okay, right. I haven't even thought about going to work yet. So yeah. <laughs> uh, can I go back to sleep? <laughs> so, but no, like I, I had a bad relationship with food. It's getting better. Yeah. But you can really hit downward spirals with food and it's really, really hard to get out of. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, you kind of have to make sacrifices. I think I went from eating 2,200 and something calories a day. 2,200 to about 2,500. And now I limit myself to about 1,650. I've never tracked calories. I um, Oh, I'll tell you, mate, it's the I best. I struggle putting it on, to be honest. It's, like, it's the best thing to do. Yeah. It really is. Because I became so obsessed with it by going, can I have this in, say, a sandwich? Can I have butter in my sandwich? Probably not. I'll just have it with, like, a sauce or something, which is less calories. Or, like, you know, I'll make, like, put some sauce in. It just, it just became a lot. I became so obsessed with it that I was like, oh, I've still got 400 calories to eat, and it's 7 o'clock. But then I thought, like, I can't eat that now because it's too late. So, like, there'd be days where I was only eating kind of 1,300. And it does sound unhealthy, but it was because I'd cut out all the snacking. Mm-hmm. I was eating at the right times. I was fasting to the point where I wouldn't eat breakfast and I'd go straight to lunch. And I'd just eat lunch and dinner. Because I just I just hit the ground running so hard, I was like, I need to lose this weight. And it, it became almost like a crisis for me of just, like, I need to sort myself out before I go on this, before I go and do this job. Because otherwise, like... I'm, it's just gonna get worse because the stress will just make it worse with this job, and luckily I've been able to kind of get to a place where I'm happy now and go. Do you know what? Like I'm happy with my appearance, but like as we said earlier with social media, just like appearances and stuff like that. But like that is why my relationship with food has completely changed, um, because I just wanted to get fitter and I wanted to be better and I wanted just to better myself and that was the way I wanted to do it like that is how I thought bettering myself was going to be and it's worked and I'm a lot happier you know eating less and going to the gym and you know making a couple of decisions in life where I'm just kind of like do you know what that's was a tough decision to make but I feel so much better for it now and I'm, I'm able to kind of like live life in quite a positive way that I haven't done for so long mm. and it's, it's it's really nice now to kind of been able to break that relationship with food but you've also got kind of got to be really careful with it because you can very very easily slip back into it and you can very very easily you know I'm quite lucky with my metabolism I can lose weight as quickly as I gain it I almost gain weight quicker than I lose weight which is quite normal for everyone but I can gain a lot of weight in a short amount of time and I can also lose a lot of weight in a short amount of time and if I eat the wrong things or I start eating stuff within a week I can put on a lot of weight and then I have to try and lose it again which is the hardest thing because it's not just a physical strength it's the mental strength to go you know I need to go to the gym I need to go and do this I need to go up early in the morning I need to go for a run that's a big hurdle to get over and um, you know you're just like fighting against your own body and it's really weird but it's you know it's the best thing 
It's the best feeling, and it's it's such a great outcome. I remember weighing myself this week and hitting 89 kg, and it's the happiest I've felt in the last four years because I just went, you know what? I set myself an achievement, like a goal. My first goal six weeks ago, I want to be under this weight. My next goal is to get down to 85. But I was like, I've completed a goal already. It, it took me a bit of time. It took me seven weeks, but I've been going to the gym, and I'm really proud of myself. And there are the small wins in life that kind of have have, have helped me recently like focusing on the small wins um and just being like you know what that's a that's a really positive win for me and i'm you know i'm finally giving myself credit for it because when you're kind of stuck in that mental um place of just like depression and and being upset you you kind of forget just small wins and people you know, when people give advice on things like Instagram or, or or TikTok, they always say about take the small wins, but it's so easier said than done. You know, it's just like, oh, I remember, it's, it's a big one. And I know it works for some people. It doesn't work for me, but it works for some people. But it's like you get up in the morning, you've made your bed, that's a small achievement. And I'm kind of just like, yeah, but that achievement lasts for three seconds for me. I've made my bed. Now what do I do? And it's just like, I just I just never understood those type of achievements. Just like you've been able to go downstairs and make yourself breakfast. Because at that point, you're just rewarding yourself for actually functioning like a regular human. And I'm not saying that's not a good thing. But like if you keep, you know, if you keep recognising those small wins, everything in life is a win for you. And just like it becomes really hard to take a loss everything is just winning you know i made my bed win i made my breakfast lose like a win but then you're like oh but i haven't gone out you know you look at yourself and you just kind of haven't gone out of the house today i've missed quite a big win i could have had there because all the small wins start to add up and you start to completely forget about kind of your concept of what actual winning is it's interesting it's really interesting um but it works some people and i fully respect that you know if people can if people can be like you know i got out of bed today I made myself breakfast. Then you know what that, as we said earlier, it is way people's cope with it, and every way is different. Um, but this way just didn't work for me because I just, I just couldn't. Um, I'm not very good with sleep either, which was the other question yeah, so you kind next, of asked. The next point. Um, I'm not a sleeper. I know that sounds really weird, but I'm not. I'm very bad at sleeping. Do you go to bed too late? Yeah, do you not, do you I think? eat before bed. I play PlayStation before bed. I'm not very good at sleeping, but uh, it's all self-inflicted. Do you want to be better? Yeah, a hundred percent. I want to be able to go to bed at ten and wake up at seven and not feel kind of like like I've pulled myself out of bed. There's some days where I can go to bed at twelve and wake up at seven and feel absolutely fine. Mm. Um, I found I found drinking helped it a lot. Drinking. I found drinking alcohol. Okay. I found that that was a big element of why I lost sleep. I think when you know, we said it earlier, when I when I turn when you turn 18 it's kind of like everything's a big party. Everything, you know, you want to go out every weekend, you want to do this, you and I was one of those guys. But I took that a bit too literally. And it really affected my sleep and I've never recovered from it because I drank a lot and it ruined my relationship with family members and friends 
and a lot of people. Um, but it is a really bad factor. I think alcohol is quite possibly the worst thing to be addicted to. Well, it is also just poison. That is what alcohol is. It's just like every alcohol you drink reacts with your body differently. You know, like beer I'm okay with. You know, red wine is a weird one for me. That makes me sound so posh. (laughs) Oh, yes. Red, red, like things like wine I'm okay with, but things like spirits. Mm. I just remember starting to drink loads of spirits. I don't know why, but it just like I started to drink loads of spirits and that's where where it got really bad. But alcohol was a big factor in my sleep and it still is in a way. Um, But to be honest, like I'm not as a heavy drinker as I used to be. I still drink, but like on occasion. Like I do drink, but like, I found a limit, I think. That's good. I found my limit, whereas when I was 18, I, I didn't have a limit. Uh, I, I'd i get blackout drunk. And I think I found my limit. There's still some times where I can't, and it's still a learning curve, but I think kind of, you know, alcohol and, and, and drugs and things like that have massive effects on your sleep and how you sleep. Yeah, no, they do. I think, I, think, I think sleep is such an interesting thing. Because some people, like, I look up to people that say, oh, I can just go to bed and fall asleep straight away. I don't know how anyone does it. I can't. I sit in my bed, because oh, I saw a video the other day. I remember it saying just like, some people, when they go to sleep, their mind wakes up. My mind starts doing, you know, 400 meter sprints. Like, it, it will go for hours upon then thinking about things that won't really matter and it's mainly based on my social anxiety, but my brain wakes up when I go to sleep and I start thinking of things that, you know, I never would have thought of and thought things that I thought I was over, I start going, oh, Christ, that that's just popped back into my memory. I'm a very kind of, like, my brain is very active when I sleep and that is because I just don't sleep enough. I think a lot of that is contributed to... um how you set up going to sleep so this links into alcohol but very simply and this happens in everyone's day-to-day whether you're on your phone just before you go to bed oh yeah and you know the the screen and Mm. the fact that your eyes are consuming Mm. like you're stimulating yourself and i am culprit to this i try so hard i'm in a a battle in my oh, life. Oh, mate. We're making I, sure I I've, I've, yeah. I got to the point, well, I still am at the point I've given up trying. I you think... never give up, though. No, it's, it's, but it's a battle. You should always, because it's so important. I know. It's so um, important. Uh, it's it, how you get through your day. Sleep. I drink so much caffeine as well. That's my problem. Yeah. I drink so much. In these rehearsal days, I'll go through four or five coffees a day. I've it's so bad. I'll be coffee. bouncing off the walls. It's awful. Um, But like... Even those type of things, like caffeine is so detrimental for sleep. And I remember when I worked at Tesco's for the second time, most recently, I was drinking two energy drinks a day. Those things are full of sugar as well, but they are literally just, um, you know, full of energy. They're full. Uh, what are the things that they put in? Uh, caffeine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, caffeine, well, literally sugar. literally just talking about it. It's full of caffeine. It's literally, you're just drinking pure caffeine. And it's, 
ridiculous how much, like, you know, people get addicted to those things. But you can yeah. be addicted to anything nowadays. But no, sleeping just like for me just isn't my strongest point. And I, ju- I just sometimes like I go through periods where sometimes I'll have great sleeps. Like recently, being at rehearsals and being active, like I've been sleeping really, really well. Because I get home, I'm knackered, and I know when I want to go to bed because I have to wake up early tomorrow morning. Other times, when I was, like, doing nothing, not having to wake up, I would stay awake till 2, and then I wouldn't get to sleep until 4. And it, it that just that just screws with you. Because just you just, like, you forget. You forget how important sleeping is to your body. I, you know, like I've started recently because I um, sometimes finish really late at night for rehearsals. Um, I, like my mum's like, do you want me to save anything? And I was like, mum, I won't be home until 11 and I'm not eating at 11 o'clock because I will not get to sleep. And then because that food goes into your body and you're not doing any exercise, you're sleeping, like it will just store and it will sit in there. And it's not a good thing because it will keep you awake. There's another thing. So I was saying about screens, food is because I've looked into these things. Like, food is another massive factor. If you eat just before you go to bed, your body's trying to digest it, mm-hmm. but you're also trying to get your body to turn off. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a big battle there. So you could give yourself eight, nine hours mm-hmm. in, from the time you getting into bed until you, when you need to get out of bed. But if you've been on your phone, if you've had any sort of alcohol, if mm-hmm. you've eaten food. Mm-hmm. Your body's going to spend the first yeah. bunch of those hours yeah. actually trying to, yeah. you know, settle. Yeah. I'd I'd say I was addicted to food worse than I was addicted to alcohol. And that's a really weird thing to say. But I got addicted to eating and eating bad. And, you know, it cha- it changed my appearance. It It did. And... You know, I like to think appearance doesn't matter to me, but I am really, really self-conscious and I'm really, really, um, I don't, I've not been diagnosed with it, but like body dysmorphia is a big thing for me because I always look at myself in the mirror, not for the fact I want to be like, oh, I'm looking good today, but the fact, the fact I can't get away from it, of going, it's a formality of going, do I look good today, like, do I look good today, or like, oh, I look a bit fat in in this, do I want to wear this? You know, like, there's some clothes I haven't worn in about six months because I think I look fat in them. And I won't go out because I then think everyone's going to call me fat or everyone's going to be looking and going, he's quite fat. And that is another thing with my social anxiety that is horrible to live with because I now can't go anywhere without someone think me thinking does this person think i'm fat does this person is this person going to make a comment is this person going to say something which i don't like um and you know like it just you know to be honest one of the big motivators for me losing weight was my friends and you know we're all group we're, we're all group of friends but you know they will they will dig at my weight and you know what? Like I'm okay with it because you know, I know they're joking. Like that's a joke we all have. You know, we all have our own jokes on our own people. My, my joke is that I, um, you know, I've gained a lot of weight. But my big inspiration was I wanted them to stop. 
I wanted them to, I wanted to show them that I can get back to it. And one of my really close mates, who I talk a lot to, um, he goes to the gym a lot. And, well, to be honest, though, a lot of them do. And, you know, but one of them I'm, I'm quite in contact with, with my um, kind of like progress. And, you know, he, like, he's been so inspirational to me because he's just been like, mate, you're doing really well. Like, um, what's your next goal? What's this? And he did sports science. I think he did. No, he did sports analysis. But he's he's worked at a leisure centre for ages and he's really, like, knowledgeable about, like, the gym and, like, what to eat and stuff. And he's, he's re- in terms of, like, going to the gym, he's really, really clever and, and he knows what he's talking about when it comes to that stuff. And he's been really inspirational. But, like, as much as they're, like, taking the mix, they don't actually know how far that's gone for me to actually sort myself out. And I actually, you know, I thank them for it. I do. I do look back kind of seven weeks ago and I was like, you know what, I thank you for, like, taking the mick out of me and saying this about me because I reckon if you hadn't started, I would have got bigger. And, you know, like, obviously there's some points where I'm like, "Um, I don't really like them calling me it, but, you know, it's got so used. I've got so used to it of just going. Do you know what? I'm now going to use that as a tool to fight my way through it. Mm. And you know, every day I still go. Do you know what? I don't want them calling me that anymore. So I, I, I carry on. And you know, like they probably think, "Oh, Tom really gets upset when we say this," or that maybe they don't. But they know sometimes it might affect me. But it actually affects me in a good way. And that's not me saying I want them to carry on, mm. but it's me saying like you know, they actually have done good instead of harm. And that is one thing sometimes about lads groups that really helps. Sometimes taking the mick is actually a massive lifesaver. And, you know, they've actually put myself, got me to put myself back on track. You know, not in the conventional way of being nice about it, because just like they wanted to take the mick and they've actually helped me a lot. And, I, you know, I respect each and every one of them. And, and you know, as I said, I thank them for, you know, almost taking the big mick because I think deep down, I think they knew that it would spark something in me. And it has. And, yeah, it they've really helped me turn my life around, I think. And I, I know we spoke about it earlier, and it, like talking about, like, men's mental health. Yeah, we may not talk about it in kind of like the conventional sense, but, like, they've really helped me turn my life around the last seven weeks and you know I've stuck very closely with them you know whether it's over PlayStation or seeing them you know like even speaking to them on PlayStation like for an hour every day sorts me out because like it's really nice to hear other voices and speak to other people and especially if they're your friends sometimes it just takes you away from what's happened in the day and just going you know what I'm going to play FIFA with my friends or I'm going to play Fortnite with my friends and we can just focus on that for like two hours at a time and just go do you know what like we don't have to worry about anything and you know anything we have to worry about tomorrow is tomorrow problem um but yeah just like food food is so easily like you can you can go down diet downward spirals on food and I've seen it and I've done a lot of research on weight and and you know average weights and being able to lose weight and how to do this and how to do that and I've really indulged myself in it but you know that that came from my friends and almost me wanting to better myself because I just wanted to be better for other people um you know I'd spent kind of a year just kind of not knowing what I wanted to be and then when I looked at what I was I was like I'm not happy with it and I don't want to be that anymore and I felt like it was a bad version of me and I just went I want to 
make it better. I want to be a better version. And I think I am now. And, you know, like, sometimes there's small recognition. Sometimes there's big recognition. Some pe- some people don't recognise it at all, but I'm bettering myself to be better. And so pe- I can look back kind of in a year and go, I know I'm a better person than I was last year at this time. And kind of go, I want to be a better version of what I am now in 2025. And I'm always looking to better myself. And, you know, this year was food. It was a big subject of my life this year. And, you know, coming towards the end of the year now, I finally found myself going, do you know what? I have a better relationship with him. It's taken a whole year, but yeah, it's um, it's got so much better. And kind of next year, well, hopefully whilst I'm away on this job, I'm going to really try and sort out my sleep because I'm going to be working seven days a week and I really need to sort out my sleep. And that's going to be a big thing for me. But, you know, it's always one step at a time. And um, those two things are two massive things in my life that I've had to deal with, kind of, especially in recent times. Um, And, yeah, it's just like finally towards the end of the year, it's finally sorting itself out. I mean, Christmas is going to be difficult because, you know, Everyone lets themselves go for Christmas. I definitely will be. Like, that is the one time of the year I can finally go, do you know what, I really don't care. <laughs> like, um, But I know as soon as Christmas is over, I'll be back in the gym trying to get back to where I was because that's what the motion t- motivation will be like. Like, I pick myself out over Christmas. Let's go back into the gym. Let's sort this all out. And then, um, yeah, it's just like food, food's, food's, food, food is difficult for everyone and food is different for everyone. And, you know, it's dangerous. It is really dangerous. You need to have, you know, people that... You have to be so knowledgeable on food and calories and know what you're doing and talking about to actually really succeed. And I'm still not that knowledgeable because I didn't study... I'm really bad at, like... Not sports science, but, like, it's biology, isn't it? And I really wasn't very good at biology. (laughs) So just kind of, like... Yeah, it it became really difficult, and um, but finally, kind of coming to the end of the year, I'm finally looking at myself and going, yeah, I have a better relationship with food, and I'm stopping like stress eating and stuff, and that was a big kind of part of, you know, a lot of this year, like stress eating. I got stressed over kind of things that didn't really matter, and I was eating because of it, and I just yeah, I just had to kind of stop myself, and I have kind of in the last seven seven to eight weeks just kind of wanted to have a better relationship with food and um yeah finally just kind of feel happy with where i am and you know when we were talking about like this was a big win for me and i just want bigger wins now and Mm. that's that's all i really asked for yeah i think in regards to the sleep thing if i was to say anything or give you any advice about it it's just plan it plan your sleep Mm -hmm. um and i think that's kind of all i can say yeah and then while now I want to ask from you, yeah, just to the audience, people listening. Um, I mean, if you've listened this far, <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I never yeah. say the whole. Oh, I always forget to say the whole subscribe and like thing. Um, <laughs> you know, that was obviously an option for you to do. But is there anything that you'd want to say to the people watching? Any, I don't know, advice? Any just last kind of words talk 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 yeah talk you cannot talk enough you never can um you know there's the saying of people can talk for england no one can ever talk enough i don't think i think talking is a massive thing for everyone yeah um 
you know, and if you are sat there struggling and you feel like there's no escape or there is no way physically out of things, then, you know, you just, you just reach out, honestly. And, but this is, this is coming from someone who's been there. You know, I know, and I know I'm only 22, but I have had a lot of experiences kind of in the last five years that I go, do you know what? I never, ever, ever thought I'd experience something like that. But honestly, like, talk, you know, like, I'm quite lucky I'm very open about it. But, you know, you have to find the right person to speak to. Or even if it's like writing stuff down in a journal or a diary or making voice notes or just like get it off your chest in any way possible. I use music a lot to get stuff off my chest. I write music. Um, I use that as a, as a method. But always listen to yourself. Always know what you want. Always know what works for you, what your interests are, what you like, and use that to your advantage. You know, like when I was struggling, a big thing for me was football. That helped me through it because that is what I love. I love football. Um, but honestly, if yeah, if I was to ever say one word to someone of like, how can how did you get better? Talk talking, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff surrounding who you should talk to and who the best person to talk to is. I'd never bottle anything in. Never, ever, 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 ever. Because that is so dangerous for you and other people. And that's not me having to go at people that bottle things up. But it is just me going, I've done it. Mm. And I came out on a bad side of bottling stuff up. And, you know, and and also, you're you're not alone either that is a big thing for me i always thought i was the only one struggling with with these type of problems and i'm not i speak to a lot of people now that i i've met who suffer with the same stuff and you do you know what nine times out of ten you actually especially with men as well nine times out of ten you all feel the same thing you all feel the same thing and also just just be aware really like i know kind of like group of lads don't do it but like check up on your mates um you know i read something the other day it was like nine ten times out of ten you know you ask someone no if you put 10 boys in a line and you ask 10 of them all 10 of them are you okay and they say yes i guarantee you 75 percent of them are lying that's how bad the problem is in the uk that's how bad the problem is in the UK. And I'd say around the world, but ma- mainly my, my my research comes off the UK kind of statistics. But 75, I'd say, yeah, I'd say 75 to 80% of those boys are lying. And if you actually ask them again, they tell you a lot, which you wouldn't expect. But like, talk and, and talk to people, you know, support people if you think they're down or even if you just want to check up on them. Like, and I'm I'm not saying never take I'm fine for an answer, but if someone does say I'm fine, most of the time they're not telling the truth. And that's not me saying you should delve into what's their problem. 
you should be conscious that they are probably lying to you, but they probably just don't want to talk about it. And that's when you have to support your friends by not asking them specifically about it, but but just being a friend, you know, you know, talking to them, getting, you know, it, it could be about the most random stuff, you know, we, it just, you just, yeah, talking is 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 a big thing, and not enough men do it, and you know, the statistics. I made a video last year, I think, and I can't remember the statistic numbers, but it was something, something like. Oh, it was like 30 men a day at one point commit suicide. Awesome. It's, it's on my phone. I remember, I have it on my Instagram. It was a video. Or was it on my TikTok? Oh, here we go. When did I upload this video? You can put it against the mic if you want. 13 suicides a day. Men. Mm-hmm. 94 a week. It was something like. And then I think I said it was over the course of a year, 4,903 men commit suicide a year. And, and, th- and, and this isn't me like disregarding all mental health because everyone that struggles with mental health matters. But that's something that just goes on, you know. I remember sitting there looking at it and just going, why, you know. Was that worldwide or was that UK? UK. Just the UK? I think it was the UK. It might be worldwide. I think it was, yeah. In 2018, 4,903 confirmed suicides were men. And I think, I remember, if I remember correctly... There were six thousand that year. It was something ridiculous, like seventy yeah. percent of suicide. Uh, no, it was sixty-five percent of suicides in the UK, and man. And I don't know anyone that's ever talked about that. You don't see that on the news. That's, uh, you know, that's a that's a subject that should be broadcasted. Like that's mental. It's mental to me that. People just don't see a way out. Mm-hmm. And it's really tough. Because I've, you know, I've been in that position of not seeing a way out. And it's really, you know, I look back on it now and I'm, it's a massive learning curve. Massive learning curve. But I'll never get to that point again. Never, ever, ever get to that point again. But, like, I didn't get help at that point. That's when I started getting counselling. And that is because I just didn't speak to anyone about it. I didn't want to speak to anyone about it. And then it became real. And that's all I could say, really. It's just talk. It's really just talk. You know, talk to the right people, Mm. though. You know, be conscious who you're talking about. But speak to the right people. Talk to the right you know, if you want to get professional help, find that professional counsellor that works for you. You know, and be true to yourself. If it's not working with that counsellor, don't force yourself to go and do it because it 
you know, just like with uh, physical industry inju- injuries. If your leg isn't feeling right, don't go and run on it because it will hurt you even more. If you're not mentally right and you go and seek the wrong help or you go and try and get the wrong help or you know you're getting the wrong help and you keep going back to it, it will make you worse. And that is why I always say to someone, mental health is all centred around you and who is best for you. Not, you know, people are like, who's the best therapist you've ever seen? Can I see them? She's the best therapist for me because she was the best therapist for me because she connected with me. She might not be the best therapist for you. She might not. Because she might not, un- not, not understand. She might not be able to help in that way because she might not have the experience with that. Whereas with me, she's had the experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is just, um, it's tough. It is really tough. But you know, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that's what I like to say. And luckily I haven't come out fully on the right side yet, but I see a lot of the light and I don't, sit there and now don't think about it and 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 see the darkness like i look out i have a very more of a positive outlook on life than i ever have now and and that's all because you know if you want to get better do it for yourself if you want to get better you have to put in the work though and sometimes you've got to force yourself to put in the work and when you put that work in, and I know we said earlier about kind of like, sometimes you can't, and that is okay. But if you want to get better, you have to put some type of work in, otherwise nothing's ever going to come and nothing will get given to you. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it all works out in the end. I like to think everything is going to be okay in the end, whether it takes a day, whether it takes a year, whether it takes 10 years, you know, I'm still... Not that I'm not okay, but I'm still recovering. And that might be another 20 years of recovering. It might be another 20 days of recovering. I might wake up tomorrow and go, do you know what? Finally, I actually feel happy. I could wake up in 20 years and go, do you know what? I still haven't recovered from what happened when I was kind of like this age and and what what the experiences I had. Sometimes you don't, and it's different for everyone. But you see a light. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's what there's a light for everyone. There is a light for everyone. And that's what I like to say to people. There is always a light at the end of the tunnel and you always make it out alive. I like to think that. I think that's a really nice place to end on. Yeah. I think this has been a super important, integral, useful Mm -hmm. so many words I could put on (laughs) conversation. And I, I I honestly think I think we all need to listen to this. Like we all need to, you know, share. Sh- you know, this is a message. This is this is a conversation that is so important. It's not being had, and I think people need to hear it. Mm. Um, so thank you. That's all right. Firstly, that's okay. Um, it's okay. It's been it's been really nice. It's yeah. been it's been an absolute pleasure to come on and speak to something so close to me and hopefully a lot of other people. And yeah. I I do hope that what I do say is 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 received, you know, in a way, you know, it's, it it it'll come from the heart, and um, you know, it 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 needs to be kind of received in a way, just like this is me kind of saying this is this needs to be spoke about because it's not spoke spoken about enough, and that it just you know it's out there now, 
and I'm hoping this kind of gets more people to to speak about it because it's getting there. It's just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone um, who who know have listened. I think conversations like this are what you can expect from what we're doing here. Um, we have been the Movement Theories podcast soon to be rebranded to something more appropriate to the type of content that we put out because we don't really talk about movement anymore that's not where my passion lies and i don't think that's kind of a message that's useful or needed like movement that was its own thing um so yeah thank you all for for listening um really really hope that you've taken something from this and i think there's a lot that you could have taken and so you know, I, I'm hoping that some value has been um, imparted, provided. So, yeah. Uh, my name is Josh. This is Tom Handley. And uh, we'll see you next week. Well, I'll see you next week. <laughs> All right. Bye.